find out what death roll ate for dinner. Spaghetti. Do you mean spinach leaves, or what, what are we talking here? There's another type of spinach. Not the leaves, where it's like all mushed up and nasty. Why would you like, put that in pasta? That would be the leaves, Mike. Cream That's spinach? what happens when you cook it. So you, had, you had spinach leaves. You had, how much garlic did you put in? I didn't make the sauce, Mike. You didn't make What the hell was how do you know there was spinach in it? Mike, I'm not Italian, okay? I don't insist on fresh-made sauce every time. I didn't mean to grind the tomatoes up yourself. I just to put stuff in the sauce. It came from I the was can. trying to eat quickly before the podcast. How'd you get spinach? He's like, you mean there was sauce with spinach pre-mixed into it? Okay, Mike, th- this is a concept that is fairly new, but they have different varieties of sauce at the store with different ingredients emphasized. But how did, is it in the pasta or is it in the sauce, these ingredients? Mike, I have you up. never seen a can of spaghetti sauce? I give up. I, I, I give up. I've never seen a can of spaghetti sauce with, with spinach leaves floating in it before I put them in. Oh, I'm sure they have different kinds. I've even heard of sauce with garlic pre-put in, but I've never heard of sauce with, like, spinach. This one says garden veggie on it. So wait, the garlic was from the can, too? You didn't even add the garlic yourself? I am not what you would call a chef. Well, do you own a garlic shaker? I mean, like, or you own garlic in any form in your house? Yes. And what, what, what form? Bulbs. To keep vampires away. Yes, to keep vampires so away. So had garlic bulbs, you could have done it yourself. I could have, but, but as I said, I do? did not have time before the podcast. I barely <laughs> finished reading the right. chapters before the podcast, which is a huge improvement over last week. If we gave you unlimited time and you were making it yourself, what would you put in your sauce? All you have is plain tomato sauce, none of these weird, creepy ingredients. You're doing it all yourself with fresh ingredients. You have unlimited time. What are you putting in your sauce? And that, my friends, is going up on the Mike Awards. Weird, creepy ingredients. Yeah. It's not like he's putting marijuana in it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know. My spinach leaves and my vegetables are sitting in a container for two months before I put them in my spaghetti. I label that as weird and creepy. Wait, what? I don't know. How long huh? those cans sit on the shelf? No. But it's meant to. It's cans of sauce. I just find it kind of creepy. I, I don't know what to say to that. I don't I mean, that's, know. That's the way they make so, the cans. you're telling me I put a bunch of mushrooms in the can, and I sealed the can, you'd be okay eating that two months later? Of course, if it was sealed, that's the point of the seal. I, I don't care. There's just something nasty about it in my mind. I got to so agree you, you there is eat. something nasty about canned mushrooms, but, I mean, it's well, not yeah, like they're going to kill you. Leaves, canned any, I don't care what it is. If it's been sitting there, if it's supposed to be fresh, and it's been sitting in a can for two months, I don't want to eat it. I'll spend the 50 cents extra to get it fresh. So you don't eat any thing from a can. I eat things from a can, but I don't eat vegetables from a can. Yes, there we go. No Michael eats can. meat from a can. I don't eat meat from a can either, no. They don't I'd make have... canned meat. They probably do. Spam. Eh. Tuna. Tuna's not meat. Tuna's what? fish. So fish aren't meat? Then what are their. What's on fish their are fish. But uh, answer my question. This yeah. is why you can. This is why Catholics can eat fish on Fridays. Or yeah, it, let's not go there. Uh, it's not meat during Lent. But here's yeah. the question: That's all unlimited time. Are we back to this again? Well, you didn't tell me. Answer Give me. him what an answer. Okay. Your Garlic, basil, spinach, rosemary, and I'd probably fry up some Italian sausage and throw that in there too. How many of those things are in your house now? All of them. All, including Italian sausage. Yeah. In all honesty, you should have made the podcast. You should have done it right the first time. Then I wouldn't be here now. I'd still be, like, chopping ingredients and stuff. We would have waited the extra 20 minutes for you. No, you wouldn't have. 
If you told me what you were doing, we all would have. It would have been worth it, bro. P.S. is in charge, and P.S. would not have waited for no, me for this long. No, I wouldn't. If, if we had Ray, I wouldn't have waited. What I'm is the, the you eat fast. How much garlic do you put in? <laughs> Except we're waiting for Ray anyway. To taste. We're having cooking class with Mike. <laughs> cooking <laughs> class with Mike. You said you use the bowl, does not like powdered garlic. Correct. So about how much? How much of a bowl? You put what, one bowl in? What? Do you chop it up? I hope he chops it up. He doesn't, like, drop it in there. But no, there's actually a thing called a garlic press. Hmm. Put it in, you squeeze it, and it, it forces the, uh, I'm not even sure what the technical word is, but the, the cloves, the individual cloves, uh, yeah, and we'll, all the skin well, you gets. You have a bulb of garlic, and you, like, take it apart, that's cloves. All right, so here's another question for you, Daphne. If you were what is this, to, quiz death roll night? If you were trying to impress someone, what meal would you cook? I, I what meal do you feel you cook the best that you'd cook to impress someone? Uh, like your like, wife's father and mother are coming, what would you cook? Probably steak. Steak, are you a good steak cook? Cook it inside? See, I, it I may not be much of a chef, but I am a damn good grill master. So I'm leaving out the grill. Like, you have to cook something. You cook steak, but it has to be like inside, we're talking. like on a, you know, I wouldn't stove. do that. Well, if that's I, why. That's why I'm. See, I'm a, Mike. I'm a purist. You don't cook steak unless it's on the grill. Which is why I'm giving you a chance to change your answer. Okay. That was the chance. That was the chance. No, go, go ahead. What would you make? You cook something inside in the kitchen. Why do you care so much? I would cook steak because her parents love steak. But you just said you would never cook steak unless it was steak unless it was on a grill. Correct. And I'm saying you have to cook inside in a kitchen. What are you? Who what says? about what about George Foreman? This is the scenario. They're cooking inside. This in is an kitchen. implausible scenario because I would but not be in a situation winter? where I would have to cook without my grill. <laughs> what if it's winter? So. So it's too, it's like sleet and hail, and it's too nasty to go Well, outside. then they wouldn't, her parents wouldn't be able to come over. Yeah, the, the roads parents would were here float. the previous night, they got here early, and then there's a storm hit. So Why are you cook. making this ridiculous scenario just to make not answer, answer the, a question? If you just answered the question, what would you cook without a grill, I wouldn't have to make a ridiculous scenario to explain why. <laughs> I would cook on the grill even under those conditions. The grill breaks. I have done this. The grill is broken. <laughs> Can I it would break? fix it. It's broken beyond repair and dinner's in not enough time to fix it. Go to, go out to a restaurant. We would go out to like the Texas Roadhouse oh, where you can actually they, pick which piece of steak no, you want them to cook. Parents go, no, it's too bad weather to drive. We're not going anywhere. We're staying here. We then they can starve. <laughs> you wouldn't actually be able to do that though if you were married. Sure, I what would. would you think? Come on, being serious here, grill aside. I don't cook in the kitchen. I don't know how else I can say that. Your imagination. You just cook pasta in your kitchen. What are you talking about? Yeah, you know. All right. There's a difference between knowing how to boil water, throw pasta in. Wait 10 minutes, open a jar of sauce, strain the pasta, and dump the sauce from the jar onto no, the pasta. No, it's, not an ideal, it's not an ideal situation, but for whatever complicated reason, your back's against the wall, you have to cook something in your kitchen. What is the best non-grilled item you can cook? Toast. No, clearly not toast, because you just made something better than toast. Be serious here. Give me a serious answer. You no. them, you pasta. Them. He'll make the same pasta he I'll, just I'll make made. pasta. That's what I... That's really the best you can do is pasta. I'm not answering this question. I lost track of what this question means ten minutes ago. <laughs> I am disappointed in you, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> I am very disappointed. There's so many things I know you personally are capable of making in a kitchen. 
How do you know that? I know Death Row. I know of things that Death Row can cook in that kitchen, and he's refusing yeah. to make out of Mike food. knows things. We we <laughs> Mike is claiming to know things. I I do I know what you cook in that kitchen. I know what you can and can't cook, Death Row. And you cook things in that kitchen. I don't talk to you about the food I make. You know that, right? It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the sort of person you are. I know you as a person, and thus I know what you can and cannot cook. Same with P.S. What? What do you think? I don't know. What do you think I can cook? You're good at baked goods. That's not yeah. cooking, that's baking. Yeah, yeah, that's Same baking. Difference. Things in the kitchen is what I call cooking. I, I can't cook. You, you tend to burn food, I think, is your problem. I think what you should probably do is just any recipe, whatever it is, figure ten minutes before your instincts say you have to take it out. How did you arbitrarily decide I burn things? Yes, you do. Huh? Yes, you what? do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I do not. How do you know this? How are you deciding? <laughs> see, see, I'm right. I know I'm right. No, I, 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 you know what I make that's good? Macaroni and cheese. Out of the box? No. <laughs> With macaroni and cheese. Awesome. You would be a good baker, P.S., but you tend to overcook things. No, I don't. I honestly swear, yeah, swear I don't. See, th- this is what you do. This that's is what you do. You make up really detailed scenarios, and half the time you're right, and half the time you're wrong, and now you're wrong. Death roll well, can make... See, here's the things you can make. You can make a stew. I know you can make a stew. I don't own a crock pot. I, you don't need a crock... You just need a pot to make yes, a stew. Yes, you do. No, you don't need a crock pot to make My stew. mother always uses a crock pot. It's the I'm best sure way to do it. it. I'm sure it's the best way to do it, but you don't need a crock pot to make Well, sense. it is the best way, and it's really the only way because you have that layer of insulation there, the double layer. And it just cooks for a long, long time, and the meat gets so tender. And the, it, at least the a day. The, the flavors all mix up. Yep. It is Uh-oh. the best way to do it, but you don't need a crock pot. Makes two. You just need a pot. You can make it in a pasta pot, theoretically. I mean. Mike, I will send you some cookies that aren't burnt. What kind of cookies do you no, like? No, I, th- I don't think you burn baked goods. I think you only burn dinners. What kind of cookies do you like? Nothing with chocolate. Hooray. Tell, tell us what Ray Hi. burns. We, Mike has been telling us what we're good at cooking. Sue now, Sue. Oh, really? There's a cook. Yeah, he, he spent 10 minutes trying to get me to answer a question about what I would cook in this impossibly complicated and then, scenario. Then he decided I burn dinner, but I'm a good baker. I don't know Ray well enough to say what she cooks well or not. You don't know me well enough to say what How do you I know don't... that? How can you just decide by knowing a, what a person... By knowing that death row writes, they shook hands, that he can cook stew. Well, I've also had conversations. I wouldn't know just from reading they shook hands. I know it from conversations at back and forth death row. We've talked about his fic. We've talked about politics, all that sort of stuff. So what evidence in politics gave you the fact that he I really want to know the answer to this, no, no, too. Yeah. It, it's, it's not a one-for-one. One. It's not like I like Bush, so I burn my pasta. It's <laughs> For the record, I do not like Bush. Well, you don't burn pasta, do you? Exactly my point. <laughs> Is this like this rock keeps tigers away? <laughs> is that you get you get a sense of them as a person, and certain people cook certain ways, and so my sense of death row as a person, his whole personality put together from our many conversations, lets me know what he can and cannot cook. Like I knew he was a grill. I didn't even need to ask. Libertarians grilling, you know. There we go. Um, <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Tell me, a, show me a libertarian male who doesn't like to grill. I'm, I guarantee you it'll be less than one in a hundred. Oh. I guarantee you, less than one in a hundred libertarian males dislike growing. My dad voted for Ron Paul. Good for him. And he likes to. So, oh, oh, oh. 
this here's the thing with libertarians. It's not just a political code. It's a life philosophy. And tangled up with the life philosophy is this idea of what it means to be American. And part well, of what I wouldn't that call includes, him a libertarian. Part of what that life that 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 philosophy includes is grilling. But I don't. I wouldn't call him a libertarian. My father. Well, I don't know your father. I was I was talking about that. He is. But right. these things don't cross over like that. So what? What in my life philosophy makes me a good baker? No, that's just my general impressions of you overall. I think you. I think you would enjoy baking. I think you, you don't realize how good a baker you are. Like, I think you underestimate your baking skills. <laughs> um, I I enjoy baking. But I don't think you have the confidence in your baking that you should. Okay. Would you say you're the best baker in PFW? No, I'm sure. Like I'm sure someone like Sue or Melinda is better. No, no, no. See, there we go. Underestimate. Sue is an amazing cook, but she but cannot do desserts for her life. Does not Danielle frequent PFW? Oh yeah, Danielle. Hello, right. Danielle. I might. But you see, here's the thing with Danielle. I think Danielle is more of a bread person, and like I don't think you'd be good at baking bread. <laughs> Danielle, I can see baking is a great bread person. I, I think you might actually beat Danielle on desserts, but you couldn't. You just couldn't hold your own in the bread field. Okay, we right just now need I'm Mi- going to make bread. We we just need to put Danielle- Mike on pause we need to put mike on pause we all need to have about two beers and then we can start up again yeah i think i need i need a couple of beers to get to mike's level i don't drink we'll all see right. you don't need Almost to if you had a couple mind. of beers i don't know what would happen after all what's the mike. most vodka you've ever drinking in a 24-hour period what's the most what vodka alcohol. russian no no not alcohol vodka vodka uh that would probably be a liter in the span of about five hours now I want to know, okay, Mike, what do you think is my drink of choice? I didn't say vodka was his drink of choice. It probably is. I could assume. Not after that night. <laughs> uh, craziness. Okay, let's start this. All right, welcome back. Hello, who is Mike, driving the bus? you are not bus? in charge. You are jointly in charge. We should alternate sentences, yes. Let's alternate like words. Like couples do? Let's, al- let's alternate words. Let's see like, if we, we can We do should that. all alternate sentences. Like, we should be like, P.S., then, then I say a sentence, and Death Row says the next sentence, then Ray. Uh, okay, okay. I'm going to stop you right there. We have enough trouble just getting through the intro. Yeah. No, no, wait, wait, hold on. I'm going to put it in order. I'm no. No, no, no. <laughs> For the love all right, so stop typing. Line. Stop yeah. typing so, now. So listen, I'm going to say a sentence, and P.S. says the next sentence, and Death Row says the next sentence. Wait, why are you going first? You just, in your first That's example, I was idea. going first. <laughs> I don't my like idea. this idea. Hold on. No. Welcome, Welcome back, back, back to Potter, Potter Fick Fick Weekly. Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm just so used to hearing, Welcome back to Potter Fick Weekly. This is Ryan. That's what I automatically be again a podcast quite like this one brought us together and started its own forum list where the hosts are all our friends all the stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Perfect weekly, where the story never ends. 
Weekly. Recovering in Blood Only by E.M. Snape. This is our last episode of this fic. And tonight we will be covering chapters 34 through 45. I'm P.S. Mike. Ray. And this is Death Roll. Now that we've done the intro and have discovered what each of our hosts is good at cooking, Death Roll can make the meal, I'll make the dessert, and Ray can bring us some beers. Mm-hmm. We are beginning our coverage of chapter 34 this week, and let's begin now. Queso okay, Tonks stop. is dead. Tonks yeah. is dead. Yay, or, um... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yay. Yes, is going A, right, P.S.? Well, I don't wish death on any of Sure, you wanted her dead. I know you cheered when she died. Well, I, I, I don't like Tonks, and I think she was a bagel in this fic, but... I.e., you're glad Tonks died. That should be our header for this, uh... <laughs> yes. It's I'm way too early to be deciding a header. A header. Okay. It's way too early to do a header. Great. Before we dive in, actually... Now that we finished the thing, I'm curious on what all of your guys' overall thoughts were on the whole thing. Like, well, what did you think of it now that you finished it? It's interesting. Yeah, I don't inter- know that I necessarily believe it, but it, it's definitely pretty well written, and that makes it a lot easier to read. Uh, I I know several of us have read these types of fix before, and I'm not going to mention one specifically by name because that one was actually pretty good, but there's a lot of this genre out there that sucks hard. It is just bad. It, it'll it hurt your brain to read, and this story isn't like that, which is one of the things I've been very appreciative of as we go through the read. Do you think this one is considered severitis? What is that? Severitis. That was this. Oh, you guys don't know. Oh, I feel like a. I feel like an old time fandomer. Severitus. Severitus. No, oh, I thought it was sever. I've always been saying it's severitis. <laughs> so like a tooth, like a tooth decay, uh, tooth decay disease or something. That's what I thought it looked like. I thought it looked like a disease. Well, anyway, enlighten us as to what it is. Okay, I, well, I probably have heard of it, just not. Severitus was a specific challenge. And I've got to look and see what the wording of the challenge actually is. It was pretty specific. And it said, Severus Snape must be real to be Harry's father. Remus Lupin must return to Hogwarts. Harry must overgo a physical change on his birthday. And suddenly looks like Snape. So since it wasn't on his birthday, I guess it doesn't count. Huh. Interesting. That's a, a pretty specific challenge. Yes, and there were a ton of them. Really? Yeah. God. <laughs> I just can't imagine that the concept is that widely. Oh yeah! Look like, at all these. No one appreciated. I mean, it, I realize I'm contradicting myself, but yeah, I guess there there, there are tons of these. Way back in the day, <laughs> I feel I feel so nostalgic. So wait, how does this yeah. really? To your overall thoughts, P.S.? Oh, it just occurred. I was just wondering if this counted for the, if this was part of the challenge or not. It just occurred to me. Oh, I no idea. Um, I guess my overall thoughts are pretty similar to Death's. I mean, it wasn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be from the beginning. I wouldn't say it's one that I really liked a whole lot. I would say it was probably more tolerable than in, not, well, this was in Blood Only. Um, um, what's it called? Yeah, a year like none other. Yeah, a year like none other. I think it was more tolerable than a year like none other. 
because I think Snape was a bit more in character. And I think to a degree, Harry was also. And it was a bit more interesting. And also it didn't have Draco in it a lot, except here where it had Draco in it. But Oh, I liked that. It was pretty interesting that I don't know really how much you could call this a redemption story. No, I don't think so. I mean, I know in in a lot of cases where you're going to set up this scenario, part of it is to redeem Snape. And it's been observed before that with Snape goes Malfoy, you redeem both of them. And in this one, I I really don't feel that there was a lot of redemption going on. (laughs) If anything, anything, he took Harry down with him. If I was about to say, if anything, it went the other way. (laughs) Which is nice. It's refreshing. You know, I I like to see cliches turned on their head. And when you can have someone pull it off with a modicum of skill, yeah, I enjoy the read. I don't necessarily think that this is going to go in my list of favorite fix of all time, but I wasn't repulsed by it. I stuck through it. I finished it. I was annoyed that the ending was a little abrupt. Like, I don't mean, like, I wanted more because I enjoyed it and wanted to read more. I just thought there should have been more because I think there, the ending was too abrupt. Like, I, I think that there, it oh. should have explained what happened to Voldemort and it should have explained, like, just what happened next because it just ended. And that was what the story was about, though. Is the thing. I had a feeling someone was going to comment on that because this wasn't a story about how Harry defeats Voldemort. It was a story of Harry Snape's son, and how do they come to accept I know, that? but I think it's silly not to address Voldemort since yeah. the freaking point of the books. The story ended at the end of Act 1, basically, because the chapters were fairly short. This whole story, I feel, is just Act 1 in a bigger production, I mean, a bigger six. play. I mean, this, yeah, I this, this thick is book 6, and there is no book 7, you know? Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. I want the resolution. Or at least it's, part, it's like every other chapter of book 6. Because but see, here's the difference, is I, I don't think... I, my feeling is, I think E.M. Snape felt, and I'm speaking for her, which I shouldn't, but this is just my interpretation, is that she felt there's enough stories about how Harry defeats Voldemort. You don't need her to do version 10,000 of how Harry defeated Voldemort. There's tons of them, and there are tons of them done well. That's not what her story was about. Her story was specifically about the Harry-Snape relationship. And once that's completed, there's no longer any new ground she's going to be breaking. And but her story- there are no stories, or not very many, or any done well, that feature Snape's son. I would actually like to see how Harry defeated Voldemort in, in this universe, because it's an well, interesting, different universe. That we know how he does. I mean, she tells us... I don't know if you guys read the author's notes at all. No. Yeah, I did, but I didn't she, see anything said, about him defeating Voldemort. But she says how Voldemort's going to lose. And she's like... I mean, she makes clear in her story notes... That this okay, is where... Now, you shouldn't see... Here's the thing. I'm an author, and I don't put important plot information in the author's notes. But she didn't Amen. Think important she, plot information she, in the story. She didn't think it was important plot information. That's Like, she basically says... Um, this isn't what the story's about, but I know yeah, some but of you are it's wondering. Important, it's important plot information to the story of Harry Potter. But that's I not mean, what she's... She's not telling the Harry Potter how he overcome. That's not what this story is. All right, okay. I, I get what the point of the story is. Harry's learned all this stuff. Now he should apply it. Yeah, I would really like to see him do it, because I'm sure he'd use, he'd use like dark magic and stuff. 
he would be cunning and trickery and the way he gets over on Snape a couple of times and especially in these chapters had me laughing out loud because Snape thinks he, he's in absolute control of the situation and only when he has the uh l'esprit d'escala does he realize that he's been manipulated i want to okay? see harry do the same thing to voldemort i mm-hmm. want to see him come up with the cunning plan um by the end of this, at least, E.M. Snape had read Half-Blood Prince and knew about the Horcruxes, so that could have been worked into the seventh year. It would have been very interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Would you like to hear what she says? No, I'd like to read it. I, I, I couldn't disagree with you more, personally. But would you? I, I don't. Did you read why she said she wasn't continuing? And I read all of the author's notes. I read on fanfiction.net, and I did not see that. So where is this note? It says, the end, um, skip a couple of lines about nothing, just to answer a few questions that have been arising. There will be no sequel. I tried to write a story, the story so that it alludes to what will happen next. Malfoy and Lestrange's mysterious destruction destabilizing the Death Eaters, lending an intimidating new mystique to Harry among his enemies, and a great deal more power to the double-crossing snake. I also attempted to weave into the story a very loose interpretation of the prophecy. As for Voldemort, the true villains in this fic were Lucius and Bellatrix. The battle uh, with Voldemort, I will leave the people to find him vaguely interesting to, to write about. I'm just not into him. The end of the story saw Snape becoming his most powerful and trusted Death Eater. I think that's indication enough Voldemort's days are numbered. People go into a Harry Potter fic a chaptered Harry Potter fic set in this time period, expecting something to do with the Voldemort plotline. So I think to not address it in the story is missing something. Yeah. What yeah. disagree? No, I, I see where you're coming from, but I think the story of how it would all happen would be very interesting, and I would want to read it. See, I don't even know if I'd want to read it. I think I'd find, like, two chapters out of the Okay, okay, Mike, Mike, let me put it to you like this. Do you want to see me write the defeat of Voldemort? Mm-hmm. Or no, do you I want really me care. to just say, oh, it happened? Honestly, I don't really care. Oh. I, Voldemort is not what interests oh. me. Oh, oh. Oh, Mike. Ow. Hey, well, Mike, what would you say if Ow. Death Rill's version of Deathly Hallows contain no Voldemort content at all and they all went to France. It would depend what what what, what the reason was. If, if Death Row found a legitimate reason for that, no, I wouldn't care, because here's the thing. I don't read Death Row's fic to find out about Voldemort. I've never even seen Voldemort in Death Row's fic. I, I just don't even care about Voldemort. What I find interesting in Death Row's fic well, is the insight into the Slytherin part of the society. What I want to see from Death Row's fic is how Slytherins deal with a divided loyalty between Harry and Voldemort, which I think is what's coming in his spec. I don't actually care about Voldemort and how he ends up. Like, you know, for all I care, Lucius Malfoy can chop his head off. I don't care. I think you just gave him the ending. If Lucius Malfoy chopped his head off, then that would be how he was defeated. I mean, what? that's not the, is, the, the is point. Is that the story? Voldemort wins, but they all move to France, and they live happily in France? As long as he wrote it well, I don't care about that. Like, that's what I'm getting, like, he has to obviously write whatever happens in the story. It can't just be like one day Harry appears in France and that's it. But but if there was like a legitimate well-written reason for him to be in France and we never see Voldemort again, no, I wouldn't care. 
Rocks fall, everyone dies. So, okay, I think, well then, I, I mean, I'm not saying, like, I, I need, like, hardcore Voldemort content in every deck. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just that saying. so I'm just, I just think, like, That's if so you're dirty. writing a fic, like, in a certain. That should be the title of this episode, P.S. Wants Hardcore Voldemort. <laughs> I just, That's I don't. That's so dirty. Actually, I just said that I don't, so. There's certain types of fix in this fandom, and in blood only on the tin looks like the type of fic that should contain the defeat of Voldemort. So maybe I'm prejudiced, but I think it should contain the defeat of Voldemort. Yeah, I, I agree. You even see in this the bad guys. Like think of this as like a forget what you know about Harry Potter, the books, the real books. But that's but that's the point of fan fiction story. that we know about the real books. No, I'm, I'm, I'm driving out a point here. Is if you if you forget a second what we expect to happen in the books, the real books, and this was an actual story. The villains in this story are in Voldemort. The villains in this story are Lucius and Bella. If and I picked yes, a book and it was about this kid that went to wizard school and he found out that his most hated teacher was his father, and he was going to he was prophesized to defeat a dark lord, but instead his father wound up killing these other two wizards, and then it ended. I think I would wonder what happened to the Dark Lord. I've read so many books like that, though. Two PS, maybe that makes me biased. Yeah. See, I haven't seen anything like that done and done well, so I would would want to read it. You have the gun on the wall. This is one of them gun on the wall stories, and it doesn't have the gun doesn't go off. You know? Don't you? Have you never heard that? Uh, Sorry, I tuned out for a second. I was reading what Ray was saying. She's going to be leaving us. She still can't hear us. We all sound like Daleks to her. So Okay. Well, I guess Sue, Sue will be joining us presently. So we'll and Sue will be Ray. Um, Sue's actually here. Oh, oh Sue. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Sue, can I ask you a quick Let's, question? Wait, hang on. Let's add Sue to the ch- chat. Chat. Add so Sue to the chat. Excellent. So we all know, Sue, that you're an amazing cook. But how Thank are you, you. in baking? Don't. Ad- Get baking? him off, Sue! Sue, don't, don't go, don't go. Um, he's trying to drag us off topic. <clears throat> How about oh. we discuss this after the podcast? Okay, you can Skype it to me. Skype your answer to me. Okay. Anyway, my point is, there's this literary thing called the gun on the mantle, which gun is on the mantle, which is saying that you know if there's a gun on the mantle at the beginning of the story, it's going to get shot before the end of the story. You know, it's like saying if you have something that's like... You're talking about like, early introduction of a, of a plot device. Yeah, I mean, that. it's... um if, if there's something in a story that's mentioned frequently throughout the story, it has to come to some sort of head. It can't just be like, oh, how are we going to defeat Voldemort? How are we going to defeat Voldemort? Look, there's Voldemort. End of the story, you know? Yeah. I get what you mean. There was all this build-up, and then you're left hanging. There's no resolution. The author has done a good job and drawn you into the universe, and now you want to know how it's going to affect the broader overplot. I of know the Harry Potter. I, mean, I want to know how Harry. I want to know how how Little Miss Snape defeats Voldemort, and I want to know what happens. I want to know who he marries. I want to know after. What's his relationship like with Snape? Does he stay in the Snape appearance? Does he, you know? Yeah. Counter to that, 
That's I like want to know. When I finish Wendelio's fake, right? There's still tons of things I want to know. When I finish every fake that we've done so far that I've enjoyed, I've finished and there's been things that I feel are not completely resolved or that I want more information on. But the question is, what is the story about? And this story isn't about Voldemort. Our expectations of Voldemort only no. stem from canon. If no, you're, this fic, the villains that you want to see fall are Lucius and Bella, not Voldemort. Voldemort's his shadowy figure in the background. But I correct. think the shadowy figure in the background is the most mysterious. Yeah, Mike is absolutely correct. I don't want to see Voldemort in this fic. I want I to want see to Voldemort see in the I want to see well, In Blood Only too. Seriously, right. that's what I want. You and I... P.S. are both suckers for the alternate universe scenarios. You want to know where it's going. You want to know how it's going to play out. You want to know how all the big events that we know about yes. in the proper timeline are going to be affected by these changes. I mean, does little Miss Snape go camping, or does she come up? She does. You she? know, it's. It just, <laughs> I was just. I was just using that to differentiate this universe is Harry, but it causes a pronoun problem. Does this universe is Harry? go camping in Deathly Hallows, or does he come up with some cunning plan to exactly. poison well, Voldemort's supper in the first chapter, you know? Yeah, well, what what happened over the course of, of six years? Yeah, I mean, what happened during this book? I mean, here. we only, well, like, this is why I said this is book six. This is every other chapter of book six. Yeah, it's the behind-the-scenes version. We're still missing some content of what would have happened during that year. I mean, like, we know about the the, the teacher and stuff. There's not, I mean, we don't know, like... But if it's against the Dark Yowch teacher, yeah, that main character. But, um, I lost my train of thought. Like, we don't get, like, there's basically, Harry only has one thing to do in this story, and that's be Snape's son. Whereas in real Half-Blood Prince, he was, you know, playing, he had the he had the book, and he was going to the lessons, and he was pursuing Ginny, and he was playing Quidditch. And that's that's not in this fic. No, yeah. I, I disagree with you there. I think Harry has more on his plate besides. Uh, He's got things, a single yeah. thing of more momentous impact. His attention is very focused. In canon, we see his attention spread out more amongst all the different things that he's ha- that that are going on in his life that are happening mm-hmm. to him, and that's really more realistic of a whole picture. Right. Which does, once again, go back to the sort of fic that E.M. Snape was writing. Yeah. I mean, I think I always get thrown off. Like, I'm not saying that every fan fiction has to be like canon in the sense that every other, every Harry Potter fan fiction has to be like an alternate version of a, of a book, you know? Yeah, but it like, should. I, I Wouldn't write, it be nice? But, like, there are stories about, like, Harry and Ginny's life after getting married, and they're like... I mean, that's the wonderful thing about fandom is that you can do that. You can do whatever you want. But I think if you're writing a novel-length story set during one of the books we didn't have at the time, I think I always get thrown off when it isn't a book story, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You expect an author to be trying to deal with the Voldemort plot with their own ideas. Yes, we'll have to agree to disagree. Well, no, she's right. You saw tons of trilogies after Goblet of Fire was out. Right. We, we just recently covered the Psychic Serpent trilogy. That's a year five, six, and seven. I debated mm-hmm. starting a year five fic myself. Thank God I didn't. And, <laughs> oh, seriously, I wouldn't even be done with it. And 
then after Order of the Phoenix came out, there were year six stories that right. became year six and year seven stories. Like Power of Emotion and Curse of the Damned. And then after book six, there were book seven stories. So I think, I mean, it's like on the tin, this looks like the, a year six story, but I can't call it a year six story since it doesn't follow. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be a year six story. It's supposed to be more of a theme story, not a year Because that is different. There are stories where they are the year six story, and they're written as though it's in a canon and it's an alternate year six. I mean, that's a genre we see in this fan fiction because of how Harry Potter is written. But it's not the only way to write. The, oh, no, I'm, that's not, I'm saying I, I think it's wonderful that there's all sorts of ways to write. I'm just saying this is not something you see a lot. And by this, I mean a fic that is set during Harry's Hogwarts years that is novel length, but that is not a book fic. Correct. There's okay. not a lot of scenes of Harry playing Quidditch and being distracted by something that happened earlier in the day with Snape. Right. That doesn't exist. Right. And I, I mean, if, for, for the one thing, it starts, it drops you in in the middle of the year. Right, yeah, because, yeah, with the professor dying and everything, yeah. Sue, what were yes. your overall thoughts, though? Oh, is that what we're doing, overall thoughts, to start yeah. with? Yeah. You guys well, he, he wanted to know what we thought of the ending. Yeah. Or just of the whole thing now that we're done, yeah. Well, like I said last week, I it almost lost me kind of in the middle chapters, and then it kind of, it pulled me back. The ending was more like, that's what I said earlier, about Lucius and Draco and Bella. And I kind of liked the way those things ended. I thought the ending with Draco was very interesting. I was glad that he wasn't killed. And overall, it's not my favorite story, but it was okay. Nice. I like that. I actually kind of felt bad for Draco. It's hard to feel bad for Draco in general, but I hope this amnesiac kid can have a happy life and not turn back into Draco Malfoy. Right. And I think that if he's off with Remus, that that can happen. Yes. And that's that's another thing I would have liked to see in a sequel. Yeah, exactly. I would have loved to see a year seven in this universe where we have Harry, Harry Snape and Draco raised by Remus with amnesia and stuff. Hold on. P.S. You're saying they should all move in together? <laughs> Wait, who did I say was raised by Remus? Well, think of you it. You made it Remus, sound like all four of them Remus, were. Remus, Severus, oh. Harry, and Draco all in one house. Oh, sure. They could do that. That would make an awesome year seven fic. Mm-hmm. But no, seriously, there's this whole big thing that happened to Draco. He's lost his memory, but he's had the neurological damage repaired because Snape is the best potions master in Britain. I love that. And yeah, probably true, though. Well, because sure Horace doesn't exist in this universe. Unfortunately, although Half Blood Prince was out by that time. But anyway, um, and Actually, he's repaired. It, he's... it was. Oh, it was published. Yep. Because one of the previous author notes referenced HBP, and I know it came out during the during the book. It came out during the yeah. during the time it was it was yeah. published. The, she started it before. But yeah, but she finished, finished it, it after, after. But the line from Snape comes after that author's note about Half Blood Prince. So we have no way of knowing who's a better. That still doesn't mean he exists. I mean, well, putting Half Blood Prince. You know, I mean, this this is kind of getting into a fandom philosophy debate, but do you think if New Canon comes out during... Because I always think that a fic is its own universe when 
it starts. So if new canon comes out during a fic, then that fic is still its own pocket universe, and the new information we get from the new canon doesn't necessarily apply. Depends how good the author is. Because it's actually... It's a pet peeve of mine when they contradict themselves. Because I remember in Shoebox, they made up a potions teacher when they started the story because that was before Half-Blood Prince came out. And then when Half-Blood Prince came out, they said it was Horace. Oh, you're so going to um, like, It was you know, like suddenly appeared, and that didn't make any sense because they'd already said previously that there was a made-up potions teacher. Was it a really mm-hmm. big character? No, but he was in the story. Okay. Um, yes. I'm guilty of that as well. Uh, when we got the names of, uh, I I did that. I pointed that out to you. That's right. Yeah. When when we, uh, had the professor for ancient ruins is professor babbling. And I went back and changed it because it's a small thing. Why not get it right? Right. Uh, Yes. You are going to hate green geckos. I will say that now because what she does is she, it starts off with one plot. And then she reads books six and seven, and she manages to work entire new major concepts like Horcruxes into her fic well after, you know, she started without them. So what? That's the skill of the author. My problem with what they did in Shoebox was that there was a potions teacher, and then it was Horace. I, I would buy it if they said this potions teacher quit, and then Horace appeared, because Horace can exist in this universe. And well, back- there... The thing is, though, you're only making up a name because you don't have the name. Once right. you have the name, you you could right. and should correct. It, and they should have corrected it. That's my point. Either they should have corrected it or Horace doesn't exist in this universe, which is perfectly... Oh, they just suddenly changed it? They didn't go back and fix it? Right. No, they just changed no, it in it's, it's in the oh, first chapter of the okay. story, it's like Professor Smith. And then oh. in like the 16th chapter of the story, there's Horace. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that would bother me too. When I made these corrections, I put out a notice to my Yahoo group and said, hey, just to let you know, I'm making this update. Trivia for later. Here's a quick question, though. I know the PS is going to get offended here and yell at me, but being seriously, <laughs> why do we assume Slughorn is a better potions master than Snape? Is there any actual evidence to make us think that Snape isn't at least as good as him, if not better? Because Snape's po- Snape took potions as a second um, choice, so I just assumed he didn't love potions as much as he loved the dark arts, and so I don't know that he would be the best at something that was his second choice. Whereas presumably potions was Horace's first. Choice. But that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with talent, though. He doesn't I mean, seem as enthusiastic about. Yeah, he, he doesn't potions. really seem like his he loves subject. Them. He's a, if you look at the way he teaches potions versus the way he teaches dark arts, I think he. I mean, I'm sure he's a great potions master, or else he wouldn't have the yeah. job. I he's just, just not as passionate. Friends. See, here's how I right. count that, in all honesty, because I tend to think that a lot of things, especially in magic and especially in potions, potions is not just a matter of following instructions. It's and, and mixing the potion because we see it's it, it's more than that. It's a sort of innate sense, this innate magical talent, just like a lot of things are. So it doesn't matter if he likes dark sort arts better. That's not going to affect his innate talent for potions. Just like Harry, if Harry really loved Transfiguration so much, and he hated dark arts because of what happened to his parents, say, just like, you know, just say, he would still have his talent for dark arts and his natural abilities in but that But it's era. defense against the dark arts. He likes defense against the dark arts because dark arts killed his parents, so he won't want to defend against it. Hang on. If Harry had to learn dark arts, I bet you 
he'd be as he'd get like outstandings on it, even if he hated doing. There will be no foolish wand waving or silly incantations in this class. As such, I don't expect many of you to appreciate the subtle science and exact art that is potion making. However, for those select few who possess the predisposition, I can teach you how to bewitch the mind and ensnare the senses. I can tell you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even put a stopper in death. Then again, maybe some of you have come to Hogwarts in possession of abilities so formidable that you feel confident enough to not pay attention. See, I, I guess what I'm saying is, even if we say, okay, Snape's real passion is defense against the dark arts, I don't think the fact that that's his first passion has anything to do with his ability in potions, which he's been working on nonstop for the well, last... Actually, position. you know what I think? Here, Here's my evidence for Snape's passion not being in potions, and that's that he wrote other spells in his potions book. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't he also write revised- Actually, I think that proves exactly the opposite. That yes, his first passion might be uh, dark arts, but if he didn't have a passion for potions, he wouldn't have spent all that time correcting his potions. I'm not saying he doesn't have a passion for potions. I'm saying his first passion is defense against the dark arts. And I actually think his first passion is spell creation. I think if he hadn't gone down the path he went down, he would be working for the ministry making making up spells. You're arguing as though his number... I I can accept his number one passion is dark arts, but it has nothing to do with whether it's because... His number one passion is dark arts, and his second passion is potions. And Slughorn's first passion is potions. Doesn't make Slughorn a better potions master. No, I don't think that. I'm just saying you use your knowledge of me to determine that I burn dinner. I use my feelings for the characters to determine that I think Horace is a better potion potions master than Snape. Yeah, the same thing there. I think Snape corrected all of the quote unquote mistakes in the potions. Because he's book. an anal jerk because mm-hmm. snape has ocd actually snape has cdo which is like ocd but with all the letters <laughs> in alphabetical order just like they should be <laughs> i don't know whose signature that is but i saw it and i love it and i quote it and it gets a laugh every time I, you could almost argue if slughorn's such a good teacher why is he using a book that's so horribly wrong and not we, correcting anything i don't think it's horribly wrong i think snape is just snape is that guy in the back of the class. The instructions in Snape's terms are too complicated for the average potion student to understand per se. This is demonstrable by an example in our own world. There are certain concepts in chemistry, uh, particularly about how molecules react and interact with each other that are completely wrong, but they're taught because the basic concept helps the person understand it and then right. later on you find out it's all wrong and, and it's actually that, that way more complicated. Or like they teach like the first years in language they teach oh everything is this way and it's really not but if you're just like taking it to get the language requirement it's much easier for you to take to pass the tests if you think everything is this way and then all- once you actually know what you're doing you learn the exceptions to the rules. That's yeah. almost underlines how I think of Slughorn and Snape, and that to me, Slughorn is the better teacher, 
and he's sort of Slughorn is sort of like the chemistry high school teacher who knows what he's doing and he's competent and he has, and he went to college for chemistry and he's really good at getting the, the concepts across for the kids and teaching the kids what they have to know and Snape's like the brilliant PhD chemistry student you know the, the brilliant you know post 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 graduate chemistry guy who did all the complex you know experiments that made groundbreaking stuff but he's like a horrible people person and a twitchy recluse who like people look at oddly Horace can brew Felix Felicius. You don't think Snape can brew that? Come now. I'm sure he could. But if you <laughs> want to cast aspersions on Horace's skill, I need to remind you of this. I'm not saying that. I, I think he's very skilled. I'm saying I think it's the difference between someone who, you know, went to college, learned his chemistry, got his, you know, Horace gets his PhD in chemistry, and he's such a good people person, he goes to teach high school. Versus Snape, who's sort of like the person who not only gets his PhD, but he's sort of doing like the groundbreaking postgraduate work because he just has that sort of mind, who's able to see a step beyond even the expert step. And goes to teach high school. <laughs> and goes to teach, and then he's a horrible high school teacher, though, because he's forced to, it's like this professor, were horrible te- professors in the sense of teaching the class, but they're brilliant minds. And I see them all the time. You have these professors who are like, you know, you sit in their class, you're like, what the hell is this guy on? But, you know, but if you talk to them one-on-one or if you have a background in that subject, you realize how brilliant they are. I don't want to let you get the last word on this, but I think we're <laughs> way, way, way off topic. <laughs> we're way off course. Yeah. See, think this is the way Mike wins arguments. It's because he just goes he steers so the ship onto the rocks, down a hole. You forget why you went down the hole at first and <laughs> give up. We're, we're talking I don't know about why there's no Horace in the fic. Yeah, and so why? Uh, yeah, he's not even—he doesn't even exist in this universe. Oh, because it was the comment about you guys had a problem with the comment about Snape being the best potion master in Britain. I loved the comment. I thought it was funny in this universe because there's no Horace. But I'm yeah. saying just there could be a Horace. He could just not be the best potion master in Britain. In that this my, universe, in this universe, then because well, I'm saying arguably even in canon, Snape could be the best potion master in Britain. I don't. That's not the. The interpretation I got from my knowledge of the characters. Ooh, I remember how we got onto this because Snape was brewing funky potions that healed massive damage to Draco Malfoy. Oh yeah, <laughs> because Mal- good old, good old tor- Draco Malfoy. Because Snape uh, tortured, he cast Cruciatus on him, and Draco ran away and fell down in front of the other Death Eaters. And Snape takes off his mask real quick, and he says, "What you thought they were going to help you? Ha 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 ha! Crucio!" I, I, I think Death Girl should play Snape in every Master Fic from now on because it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Crucio! <laughs> Scott would be thrilled. Scott plays good Snape, though. Death Row plays like crazy psycho Snape. Don't That's true. lie to me. <laughs> Don't. Well, the, I, mean, I felt a little sorry for. I had sympathy for Draco in this fic, personally. I, just oh, yeah. I, I think we all did. I mean, I, I wouldn't want How to be tortured into having amnesia, and I don't even blame him for not trying to, for trying not well, to say anything about his father. It wasn't that he was tortured into having there amnesia. There was an though. obliviate. He, yeah, Snape was is not very good at the obliviate. In this fic, Snape is not good at several things. He's a, the master potion person, but he's not. But good at he war. doesn't do obliviate well, and that's why he didn't do it to Ron when 
Harry was drunk and told Ron that Snape was his father because he knew that he would destroy Ron's mind. Or that there's a good chance he would destroy Ron's mind. Well, he figured there was a really good chance. He knew the minute he cast the spell at Draco that he had ruined Draco's mind. And we know from what Lucius said that he's not good at taking down wards. Building wards again. Well, wards well, they in general. Taking down but, well, I really like that because you see in a lot of Slytherin-themed fic where Snape is the master of everything, like in my right. fic, for example. And I think it's refreshing here that, yeah, he's good at potions and he's got his dark arts stuff. But beyond that, he's, you know, he's just run of the mill. He's human. And speaking of being human and small little failures, did anyone notice the scene where he was chopping potions ingredients and cut himself? <laughs> he was upset. <laughs> I, and they're talking about Voldemort. Were they talking about Voldemort? I don't know what they were talking about. And I don't know what I'm talking about. And he just cuts himself. And I was like, Snape, for shame. <laughs> Only human after all. I mean, what sort of potions master and Slytherin lets himself get so emotionally distraught he inflicts injury upon himself? Mm-hmm. Shame, shame, shame. You know, despite the depictions in canon, we don't see many controlled emotional, sorry, many Slytherins in control of their emotions. That's not really a, I just had to comment on that. We don't see a lot of Slytherins. Now think of like Lucius Malfoy, like flipping out over his house elf, Draco flipping out over the drop of the hat, Pansy like spitting and foaming at the mouth. We don't see a lot of composed Slytherins in in canon. Yes, you do. Snape Crab and Goyle. Wouldn't get Crab and Goyle, there we go. That's Crab it. and Goyle are very composed. <laughs> They're composed, yes. Except <laughs> when uh, Harry flirts with them, and then they drop the scale and run screaming. Well, no. I wouldn't know how to deal with that either. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happened next? Where were we? <laughs> I was going to ask that question. I wasn't here in the beginning. We, so we I were wasn't... at the beginning, weren't we? We we hadn't started the chapters yet. All right. Well, we were discussing the ending and how there wasn't enough of it and how there needs to be another fic. Some uh, haven't started yet. Well, I think that we should start with A Thousand and One Virtues of Muggle Cooking. Oh, my God. That was funny. <laughs> how to eat man or how to cook man. How to cook man. I like that, too. What do you think, P.S.? I don't remember it. <laughs> it was the name... You're our leader, and you're our leader. It was the title of the book in which there were a lot of nasty... Was it curses or... Oh, right, right, or... right, right, right. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. I... 1001 Virtues of Muggle Cooking. I thought it was hysterical. That is funny. You see, that's why I was asking about cooking earlier today. I was really making a connection. Uh-huh. No, you weren't. <laughs> And, and I, you You're know, Snape hands him the book, and he's so sure that Snape is making fun of him. He's, he, Harry is sure that Snape thinks that he's inept and he can't handle darker magic. And he says, this whole Bellatrix thing is just a joke to you, isn't it? You don't think I'm serious. And Snape rolls his eyes, which is a great visual, you know, Snape rolling his eyes. Look inside, Harry. And that's when he realizes what it is. And he's like, well, why is it under this cover? Snape's like, well, anybody that sees a book that says, you know, 101 horrible hexes is going to know this isn't a good book. But if it's a muggle cookbook, you know, nobody's going to look twice at that. And Harry's like, wow, you guys really are smart. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, we are. We. 
Uh, I thought Death Row was declaring himself as a dark wizard. (laughs) (laughs) Not today. I was going to say, is there something you want to tell us, Death Row? (laughs) (laughs) Find out after you read your four. That's what he would cook. (laughs) I would have a hard time resisting the urge to abuse the Imperius curse. I admit that. You would have a hard time to what? Resisting the urge to use the Imperius curse in certain as, situations. As long as you Imperiused all the cockroaches, you'd be fine. <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea. Can you it's, not, even, it's not illegal can either. You, oh, the Pied even, Piper of Hamlin used the Imperius curse on all the rats. Wait, I was going to say, can you even Imperius animals? Yes. You know, you Imperius is a spider. Oh, right, of course. I yes, actually that's, got that's this that. wrong once. I'm, I'm disillusioned your lack of canon remembrance there, P.S. I actually haven't read the books in a while because I've been busy with other things. Quizzer on Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You don't know the answer. By the way? No, no, that would really get us off topic. Okay, anyway, yeah. Yeah, go go on. <laughs> Sue, yeah. take us back to the fic. Um, so they're, they're talking, Severus is talking a little bit about his father, or um, I guess... They were talking about Sirius, and Harry's still feeling really bad about what happened, and he's feeling bad about what happened when uh, Lupin pretty much accused him of getting Sirius killed. And Snape's reply to this is, he was your godfather, Snape said in a soft, lethal voice. For all intents and purposes, you were an orphan. He was entrusted with your welfare, and he squandered his responsibility by needlessly throwing his life away. And for what? To ease his boredom with the arrangements taken to ensure his safety. If anything, you are in your rights to resent him. And just really kind of turns Harry on his head. Because Harry's like, oh, it's all my fault. It's all my, I shouldn't have been there. And Snape says, no, wait a minute. You're the child, and he's the adult. He needs to take some responsibility for this as well. Even though he's not here to take the responsibility, you still need to be able to put some on his head. Do you agree, Sue? Do you agree with Snape, Sue? Sort of, kind of. I mean, I know that he was in Azkaban for a whole lot of it, and he did that because of what happened with Peter and everything, so that was kind of taken out of his hands. But... Yeah, to all intents and purposes, he was still very immature. He never really grew up, and he really wasn't taking responsibility. He wanted it in the sense of, oh, yeah, goody, I'm going to be the godfather, and I want to be there for him, but he still took stupid risks. He changed into a dog and went to the train station with them. He went out. You know, he didn't think before he acted, like so many other characters in this, and he really wasn't being responsible. Right. All of them. Harry wants so, to blame himself for being reckless and charging in. Sirius does the same thing. Mm-hmm. No matter Harry keeps doing it, so he didn't learn his lesson. Does Harry ever learn his lessons? No. Maybe. Uh, he will now. Maybe. We don't know because there's no book seven. Yeah, we'll, we'll never know. I think the only lesson Harry... No, I, I can't think of a single lesson in canon Harry actually learns for his stupid behavior. Um. Oh gosh. I was just—I was gonna say he learned to, to ask girls out at the Yule Ball instead of assuming, but no, he didn't learn that either. Actually, he never actually confesses his feelings to Ginny before. Like, he—he he learned to not tell lies. 
<laughs> I mean, she didn't learn that either. He wasn't yes, he telling did. lies to start with. Exactly. He learned to not tell lies. He didn't learn that. Sure, he did. Just in the scene at the end of Order in the forest with Umbridge. But he, but he yeah. didn't learn Tell that. them I mean no harm. I'm sorry, Professor. I must oh, tell yeah. no lies. Yeah, he wasn't telling lies to begin with. I mean, it's a clever line, but he didn't actually learn not to tell lies because he never was lying to start with. Well, I'm sure he lied on occasion. Yeah. I'm sure he lied afterwards on occasion, too. <laughs> now I have to think of a time when Harry lied. He lied through a mission because he didn't tell anyone about Montague yeah. being shoved in oh, the no, vanishing cabinet. He, oh, he lied about the book. He lied he dozens of times in canon. I don't know what you're talking about. I can think of a dozen times when Harry lied to canon. I mean, not like big lies, like, oh my god. He's yeah, evil. like he told Snape he didn't know anything about the gillyweed, but he knew it was Dobby. Don't get me wrong, I think that's a moral sort of lie, because you can make arguments that lying can be good. So tell yeah. me the lesson Harry learned canon. That's what I'm trying to think of. Um, He learned... Don't make horcruxes. <laughs> it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. Yes. Be music. Person, he has tons of mistakes, but he doesn't learn from a single one of them. I can't think of a mistake he made early on that he wouldn't make again. Same um, Don't leave Ginny behind. Well, he didn't learn that. It worked out well for him. He'd probably leave her behind again if there's a dark lord. No, because I'm sure she'll take him to task for it. Don't try to leave Ron and Hermione behind because they came with him. Don't. He's trying to do it anyway, though. <laughs> How um, many times in the series has he tried to leave Ron and Hermione behind? Like a dozen times. He never learns that. Yeah. Uh, I can't. I can't believe I can't think of one. This is bad. I need to reread the books. There isn't one. I don't think Harry doesn't learn. <laughs> He's a good guy, but he doesn't learn any, any from any of his mistakes. But I, I thought th- the point. The point of books is that the character learns something. Apparently he not. Evolves. He evolves the, as a character. The, but he doesn't this, actually learn. This is a classic adventure tale. But he mm-hmm. you, he doesn't learn from his mistakes. He doesn't. That's a bad okay. children's book. <laughs> this is bad. I'm, and I'm hips deep in the thing, and I can't think of anything either. You, you've got make, an excuse. Harry, Harry learned something, and they shook hands. Please. I will. I, I absolutely will. I, I'll have to figure something out now. <laughs> Shit, well, for you, pressure. Yeah, yeah pressure. You just have them learn that muggles aren't stupid. <laughs> you learn that. Uh, anyway. I say nothing. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, this fic. <laughs> what did you say? Yes, I said. Okay, what? No. <laughs> what? You're our what? leader. You gotta, you gotta motivate us to our next conversation point. Okay, our next conversation point is about Remus. I didn't really care for how Remus was handled in this, I gotta say. There were a couple of occasions where he had just some of the dumbest dialogue. Like, after Harry had been kidnapped by Lucius, they find his wand, and Remus says, maybe he wandered off into the forest. (laughs) And I just wanted to reach through the screen and strangle him, because he's that dumb to say that. No! Harry does not leave his wand behind. Harry takes his wand and goes charging That's in head first. That's something he learned. Did yeah. he learn not to leave his wand behind? He learns he, not to leave his wand in his back pocket. There you go. 
No, actually, yeah. I don't think he actually learns that either. He yes, he does. Harry he learns he shouldn't. I don't know. I'm, skeptical. But, I'm pretty sure I remember him doing that again, shoving his wand in his pocket. Well, at least I he's think... not putting it behind his ear. <laughs> anyway, Remus, go on, Mr. Deathrow. Remus, Dr. Death. You, you, seemed... like, you act like he's on a, a ship or something. He set, seemed set pretty... course, Mr. Deathrow. Well, someone has to steer this ship. Remus seemed dopey. He just, I didn't like I him. I think it, Remus was on drugs. Yeah. Per, I think the Wolfsbane potion. Snape like, was lacing his Wolfsbane potion with something. Do you agree with this, Seth? That Snape was so upset with Lupin that he, yes, I totally agree that he had laced the potion with something. And when Harry said, tell Remus hi, Snape went, oh, crap. And vanished the potion and went back for something new. And he had a really stupid excuse. Oh, a bug flew into it. A cockroach. It was a cockroach. cockroach. It's a big one, too. I'm sure that Lupin wouldn't have wanted to eat that in his wolf form. I meant more. I I agree with you about that. But I I was referring more, Sue, do you think Remus is unrealistic in this fact? Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that part of the question. Um, I think that he was pretty stupid in a lot of ways. He was realistic in how he felt about Harry. And I could certainly see him blaming Harry. I liked that when Harry finally told him that he was Snape's son, that he didn't allow that to change his feelings for Harry. And I think that it wouldn't have. Because no matter how much he likes or dislikes Snape, he had built a relationship with Harry. And just because Harry's father wasn't who he thought he was that shouldn't have changed and i i was glad that it didn't yeah but he does do some pretty stupid things he's very oblivious to a couple of things you know when he at the end of the last few chapters that we read when harry goes out into the woods and snape immediately knows something's wrong and Lupin's like what why what he no he was fine and snape's like no go get the map well for that matter when uh, Snape's like strangling Harry, Luke thinks he's hugging him and like walks away, <laughs> like right. winks and walks away. Yeah, so. all those little things. It's like you dope. <laughs> um, and Hermione. I thought Hermione was in character. She was. I could see her yelling at Ron, like, "What the hell are you yeah. thinking?" Not oh yeah, I, I was just suggesting a topic. Yeah. I think Hermione was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like that. He's been a complete jerk over what? Of course you should have done that. And I like that about Hermione. Draco's mm-hmm. been a complete and utter butt to her for the past five years, five and a half. And she still is the sort of, yeah, he's an idiot and he's a tosser and whatever, but he doesn't mean you, he should die for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if she Especially knew about that way. Yeah. Especially that way. Nobody deserves that. Yeah, I I can totally see her do that. I can see Ron being upset about what happened and her total reaction when she woke up and, you know, come on, let's hug and make up. I liked that Harry defied Snape and everything Snape told him to try to use the spell that Draco gave him to revive her. Snape was pretty manipulative about that, too. Oh, yes, he, was he was very yes. And Harry was even more manipulative. Yeah, that was a I great interaction. Was, yeah, this was like Harry becoming 
it was like Snape was manipulating Harry into being manipulative. <laughs> He's giving him a fine demonstration. Exactly. Oh, so what did you guys think of the whole Lucius killing his wife and then Snape almost killing Draco and then stopping because Harry's there? That question's for Sue. I saw it coming because of the way that Snape needled him about it in the previous chapters. I knew that at some point Narcissa was going to die. Um, I thought it was very Lucius-like and evil to have killed his wife and set up the boyfriend to have done it, all to basically get Draco out of the school so that he could get his hands on him. I mean, plots that within just, plots. Yeah, that just shows how evil he really is. What I really liked is that Bella actually becomes a little bit more fleshed out as a character in that we actually see um, th- this sort of cracks in her loyalty to the Dark Lord. Not that she's less loyal to him, but that there's these conflicting emotions in her and that she can't just forgive Lucius for what he did to her sister. Yeah, you give right. her the extra dimension of being a sister instead yeah. of just an insane Death Eater. Yeah, right. kind of like, I mean, that, that whole dynamic that how she... Uh, well, I guess we're skipping ahead now, but I thought her death was pretty cool. That, uh, yeah. You know, she, she betrays the Dark Lord, and then that's like the last thing Snape says to her, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Harry uses it as well. I mean, that was, that really took a lot. Yeah, she like walked out, like Bella can't finish torturing her. She has yeah. She walked out, and Lucius is like, uh, where are you going? Come back. We're not done. <laughs> Come back. Uh, <laughs> And I can just picture Jason Isaacs sitting in a chair, looking all prim, and he just sees her walk across, and you just see the look of puzzlement cross his face mm-hmm. as his head slowly turns. And he kind of, Jason you know, Isaacs is Lucius. Oh, yeah. Well, I will say, actually, Lucius was pretty thick at a point, because when he tried to do the kinship thing, and he thought that Harry was Septimus disguised as Harry. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that was... I mean, it was a bit quick for Lucius to jump to that, but it could have been dealt with a lot better, I think. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe it was. It, I, it was I abrupt, thought it was but weird I when it. I when I heard it. I was like, wait. So he, it just, it just, it cracked me up because he, it just made him seem like this. Like it seemed way too complicated to be something that you would jump to. Like I would think the quickest well, thing to do is that it's. Oh, that he's Harry Potter. I mean, you wouldn't be like, well, they've sent in Septimus Snape, who didn't happen to exist before a short yeah. time ago. Well, I would have liked it better. Like, I, I disagree with you, actually. Because, to me, uh, you, have, you have to remember Harry Potter says so not just a normal kid. He Even, I think, to the Death Eaters, he's more than that. He's Harry Potter. You know, the son he's of Harry Luke. Potter. But you get what I'm saying? He's Harry that Potter. He, that he's become, he's not, it's not like He's just some average kid. Like his story of you know James, his parents, James and Lily, sacrificing themselves. Their kid who looks just like James. You know this whole story is, is like a legend in the Wizarding world. It, the equivalent would sort of be like like you would you wouldn't just assume um, Lincoln secretly approved of slavery. Like you know like, like if you saw Lincoln like 
whipping slaves somewhere, like your first reaction is, why is this person impersonating Lincoln? You're, if you're, I saw Lincoln <laughs> whipping slaves, I would say, why did Lincoln rise from the grave? Let's <laughs> yeah. say you could travel back in time and like you're like visiting all these famous people and you see Lincoln and like, you see Lincoln whipping slaves. I think a lot of Americans, their first reaction wouldn't be, oh my God, Lincoln was pro-slavery. Their first reaction is, oh my God, who's impersonating Lincoln whipping slaves? You, know, that's, that's, you get the point I'm trying to make in terms why of... Why would somebody can... be impersonating Lincoln if he was wasn't famous yet. No, I'm talking about like during the Civil War. No, you go I, back. I, I, like, I can kind of get what you're going for. Now, I, what I, I think is like, just do you think Lucius would think the same thing about Harry being that he's a Death Eater and wants to kill him? Well, then, I'm, his, Lucius's image of Harry isn't positive, but positive, like, just like Southerners probably have the same image of Lincoln, even if they don't like him. Like, they view Lincoln as, you know, this great anti slavery person, even if they don't. So, like, even though Lucius hates Harry, it's still, like, one of, like, the Gospels of the Wizarding World. You know, the Gospels are like, Voldemort is evil. Harry Potter is the son of Lillian James, who sacrificed. Like, these are sort of, like, the inalterable truths of the Wizarding and that's why it takes up this, you know, I, I find this surprise understandable because it's, it's like a paradigm shift, like reality warping kind of thing to, to make that leap. Well, I think it's a, it would have been a brilliant plan of Snape's. If Snape yeah. had really done that and pulled it off, it would have been a brilliant plan. And so it is something evil enough that Lucius would have done it had he thought of it. So I didn't have a problem with Lucius jumping to that conclusion because if Lucius had thought of it first and he would have done it in a heartbeat, what a way to get back at. So if you reversed it and say that Snape had a son or that, that Lucius wanted to get into favor with the Dark Lord. And so he found somebody to impersonate Harry Potter and gave it to Snape and Snape went, oh, look, my Lord, look, I've got him. And it turns out not to be who he says it is who it turns out especially not to be Harry Potter who he's telling the Dark Lord it is then he's going to be way out of favor that's going to be the end of it and so I, I didn't have any trouble with that because that's something that Lucius would have done in a heartbeat yeah it's a good plan I just think the idea for it comes from the wrong source Harry should have been the one to suggest that maybe that's what was going on that's too suspicious though I don't know Harry's pretty clever in this he, he could spin it to Lucius in the right way well I don't blame Harry for assuming that Lucius thought thought he was Harry, you know? Because mm -hmm. yeah. which is what he did. You know, I mean, he was, I'm saying he was surprised, I mean, even he was surprised when Lucius still believed that he was Septimus. So, I think if Harry thought Lucius would, would, would think that it was Septimus. That's why I was surprised. Lucius Do you think the surprise comes because we, as the reader, know the truth? No, I think it's because, for the same reason Harry thought that Lucius would have figured it out, and that's because it's obvious. <laughs> I don't know. I'll give you a better, exa better example. Let's say we were reading canon, and in canon, you know, Harry Potter turns to an image of, you know, Dean Thomas. Your reaction isn't going to be, oh my god, Dean Thomas is ha has been Harry Potter this whole no, time. Now, here's what it's like. Um, well, that's what Let's say well, when Harry was captured in book seven by the Malfoys, they start, you know, fooling around with him, and suddenly he turns into Dean Thomas. Okay, was, I don't want to hear about the Malfoys fooling around with Harry. <laughs> 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 But I mean, why 
would he suddenly turn into Dean Thomas? This is like, no, see, this is what it's like. It's like if I see a man walking down the street and like he's all like in disguise, he has like a hood over his face and he has like dark glasses on and he gets his dark glasses knocked off and it turns out it's Barack Obama. You know, are you going to think that it's the president? Or are you going to think it's but that's someone not what that it's just like, like this? Mm-hmm. No, I'm telling you, it's, it's like this. It's like they capture Harry Potter in book seven and they take him through some ward in the Malfoy Manor that takes away disillusionment, say, or and suddenly, you know, he turns into Dean Thomas. Your first but that reaction, doesn't make any sense at all. That, that, that's the point. It doesn't, to lose his perspective, because he's not following the story as we are. It makes no sense at all that, you know, Harry... That connection makes no sense at all to him either. It's it's just as nonsensical to Lucius because he hasn't been following along with us. That's my point. So my point is, if Harry suddenly magically turned into Dean Thomas, you're not going to go, oh my god, Dean Thomas was Harry Potter this whole time. You're going to go, oh my god, Dean Thomas disguised himself as Harry Potter. That's yeah. my point. This Mike is kind of too complicated. May. Mike agrees with me. <laughs> He well, thinks that it's, it's our perspective as the reader that makes it seem weird to us, Lucius' reaction. Okay. But from I, his I, own I perspective, from his own perspective, Lucius is he, he has no idea. I thought it was weird is because I would is because Septimus doesn't exist, and I thought at this point Lucius would figure out that Septimus doesn't but, exist. I mean, but he knows he exists. He knows Septimus is son. But it's not like a disguise from Obama because Lucius, as far as Lucius is concerned, Septimus is perfectly, you know, normal. He's had conversations with the boy. He's interacted with him for days. Like, this isn't a fictional person. This is mm-hmm. someone he's talked to and seen firsthand. That's where the Dean Thomas example is so perfect. Because imagine if, like, through all throughout canon, we're reading about how Dean Thomas and Harry Potter are the same person. It's just Harry's alter ego is Dean Thomas, right? That's what it's like. <laughs> but, but Lucius has no idea, right? But uh-huh. for Lucius, it's, it's as though we're reading actual canon. And so when Harry Potter turns into Dean Thomas, he's like, what the hell? Dean Thomas, why are you disguising yourself as Harry Potter? Is this like when Eddie Carmichael was Bellatrix Lestrange? <laughs> I mean, let me put it this way. Like, this is, like, let's, because you're Lucius Malfoy, and you've seen Thank Dean you. Thomas in school, you've seen <laughs> Dean Thomas everywhere you go, and you capture a supposed Harry Potter who turns into Dean Thomas. What is your reaction? Your reaction isn't, oh my god, Harry Potter and Dean Thomas are the same person. Your reaction is, oh my god, Dean Thomas was disguised as Harry Potter. Exactly. Is this like where they thought that um, they couldn't believe Bruce Wayne was Batman, they just thought that Bruce Wayne was dressing up as Batman? Yeah, exactly. Kids? Like, you would assume that the polyjuice potion wore off or you know, something or other. You would assume that what you now see is the real person. I'm pretty sure we read a fic where that happened, where the polyjuice potion wore off and they thought, oh my god, it's like the Animorphs. Did anybody else read the Animorphs? No. Oh my god. Yeah, we're heathens. Well, then I can't, I can't tell my example. It's a really good example, but no one will get it. Time to post on the other fandom exchange. Yes. Oh, God. I guess, I guess you guys are too old for it. Yeah, <laughs> probably. That hurts, though. <laughs> oh, it was a really good series. Sue, guide us. Oh, yes, got us. Okay, my next topic of conversation, since we're done talking about... How about Ron? All right, let's talk about Ron. We haven't talked about Ron at all. I would have brought up Ron as like a subset of Hermione, but so like... <sighs> That's not well, fair to Ron. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ron. Okay, Ron, today, now it's Ron cast. Ron actually has a much bigger role than Hermione anyway in this fiction. Yeah, that's because Hermione's unconscious for most of it. Do you ever wonder if that's because E.M. Snip just didn't want to write Hermione? 
Maybe Ron and Hermione are the same person. Oh, dear. You know what would be a really cool fic? Ron and Hermione are figments of Harry's imagination. I've actually read that. Really? I've read that, well, it's not, she's not a figment of his imagination. It's everybody is. He's in a mental hospital. Oh, well, that's not the same thing. Or like like he's in Hogwarts, he just has two imaginary friends named Ron and Hermione, because really he's a loner who no one wants to associate with. But does anybody else know that? Like, that does, does that make any sense? Not really. Mm-hmm. Has he invented interactions between everybody else and Ron and Hermione? That's why he really has no friends. He just sits alone on the corner of the table. And to make up for it, he has an imaginary Ron and Hermione. But see, other people talk to them. He just makes it up to it would be like Fight Club. Where, like, not often, though. Yeah, not often. <laughs> and, and it would be like in Fight Club where, you know... I don't really, know that. Maybe he's imagining himself interacting with them and he thinks he is Ron or Hermione in those exactly. instances. So like, so whenever we see Ron talking to someone, that's really Harry talking to someone, not Ron. Does this so, mean Harry was dressed up at the Yule Ball? Does he have multiple personality disorder? <laughs> he just He's just crazy and Ron and Hermione are made up characters and everyone thinks and that's why all these Harry is crazy rumors come out because really they see... He is crazy. <laughs> this is beginning to sound like Lost. I don't know. Uh, oh, it sounds like people have to Don't me, spoil me! I haven't finished it. I haven't started it, so I yeah. can't. No, it's like it's, a fight. Club it's scenario. old lost. I didn't watch it at all last season, so I don't think I'll be no, spoiling. No, I, I don't spoil. Don't spoil. I'm still. I'm on the first season. Okay. I, the only watched. thing about Lost, and I this is the reason why I refuse to watch Lost. The character of Ben Linden makes no sense to me. I don't know who that is yet. Don't spoil me. <laughs> I haven't seen the show. I can't spoil it. <laughs> But you said who that you said you know something about someone that I haven't met yet. No, I don't know anything about him. That's why this I is like Richard. This is like Richard saying the actress that plays some character I haven't met yet, named Juliet, is in some other show. So now I know there's a character named Juliet, and it's spoiled. It's a spoiler. I haven't seen the show. I don't know about the show, but the character of Ben Linden doesn't make sense to me. All right, I'll figure that out when I go and meet Ben Linden. That I mean, that's, just, that's assuming I, I have no idea what you're talking ben about, Linden, Mike. I, I know what you're talking about, Mike, but I'm being quiet over Thank here. Maybe later you can explain them to me, because I just don't get them. Okay. I don't he's, think you're supposed to. He's masquerading as Ron. Well, yeah, he actually, is Ron and Hermione. And, and apparently Ron and Harry are having a tryst. At least that's what Draco says. Because they're on the Quidditch pitch for practice after uh, Snape has put out to everyone that Harry flew his broom into a pole and crashed and gave himself a concussion and ended up in St. Mungle's for a while. He flew into the goalpost and he's PO'd that Snape has told everyone this. I'd be pissed off too. You idiot. That's that's like the, the thing he's good at and he's saying he can't do it. Right. And so Ron knows that it's not true because Ron's got the map and he's still upset about what's happened with Hermione. So he's just giving Harry what for and Harry is trying to get him to listen and he's not listening. And so Harry kind of grabs him and Ron bellows, let me go. And Draco comes in and says, oh, getting cozy with the weasel. <laughs> like he likes it very much, Potty. Yeah. And, uh, Ron flips out. The whole scene yeah. there is great. And there's the back and forth and Harry's trying to keep Ron from getting out of control, a fruitless endeavor, because Draco is there just needling him on and saying, oh, a lover's tiff, and all these smart-ass comments that are just setting Ron off even more. And then Ron almost lets the cat out of the bag. But first Ron says, well, maybe... It's not Harry and I that have a thing going, Draco. Maybe it's you and Harry. That's why he went back for you. (laughs) It's actually a pretty good comeback, quite frankly. (laughs) I know you are, but what am I? Exactly. That's it. That's actually a pretty good version of, like, you know, 
what are, you know what I mean? Like, like, that actually, like that's actually like a good insult. Like, I don't know. I thought it was actually a pretty smart comeback. Oh yeah, why is why is Harry going back? Are you and saving your life? Are you two that close? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize you mattered that much to Harry Draco. You know, like that. Right. Which, yes. Yeah, he's giving as good as he yeah. got, or he's, yeah, vice versa, something like that. So, and then, as Deathrow said, he starts to let the uh, cat out of the bag, and Harry slams him in the jaw, and they have a pretty good round of uh, fisticuffs here. I think Ron should have come out a little bit more ahead than he did that. I think Ron came out pretty good ahead from the look of Harry's face. Mm-hmm. They both gave pretty good, I think. Mm-hmm. And afterward, do we want to just jump to afterward, where they're... Still going back and forth. Uh, oh, I, I, I was, I want. No, no, uh, no, I want. No, 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 I really want. No, 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 I want. And it's like, uh, boys. Because I remember guys my age when we were that age doing that sort of thing, and it just. So you were involved in fist fights as a sixteen-year-old. Oh no, just the the games of one-upsmanship, and oh, I did this. Oh no, I'm better than this. Oh, and yes, there were several rounds of fisticuffs. Ooh, that sounds so a violent life. I was never in a fight. No one ever wanted to pick a fight with me. I was too giant. <laughs> I just really see that. But yeah, I've never been in a fight. What can I say? I've never been in a fight. Must not just surprising though. Not to sound stereotypical. Oh, there are cat fights. Oh yeah, so mm-hmm. plenty of those in school. I think they're less common. I think that, like I know it's a gender thing, but I t- I'm sure it's a societal pressure or whatever. But I, I do think you see more guys fighting than girls fight. That's probably true. I mean, I don't know what guys are like when they're like that age, but you didn't know any guys that age. I was a girl school. Ah, uh, yeah. Did you say you were girls only school. Yes. Uh, guys that age are pretty unbearable. Would you put your own child in a single, either an all-girls or an all-guys school if you had kids? I think I'll have to review that later. Yeah, you well, kids can talk about that on your own time. All right, I guess <laughs> yes. later, but I, I would be curious is, what you thought of this. this is this something that Mike wants to decide so that he knows in advance? Yeah, you, you kids can make your life plans later. <laughs> Oh, no, do I, I don't think, think personally I'd approve of my kid going. It's like I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd approve of my kid going to a private school. I don't know if I would. I don't know. Okay. Why, would you send your kids to a, a single gender school death roll or a private school? Later. <laughs> so sensitive. What part of later is he not understanding? <laughs> You're so sensitive. Okay, I, I'm dragging us back. Uh, so as they're fighting and rolling around on the ground, Harry gets really close. We just lost somebody. We lost we P.S. Lost P.S. Keep going. In the chat. Um, So Harry gets up into Draco's ear and he's like, don't you get it? If you tell them, if Voldemort finds out, they'll kill me. Is that what you want? Do you really want me dead? And Harry's staring into Ron's eyes and he knows that before Ron would have said, well, no, of course not. But now that that he's being blamed for Hermione's coma and possible death, then He's just not sure what Ron's going to say at this point. Yeah, well, he's really kind of holding his breath as he's waiting for this answer now. Well, it's a, a throwback to a theme we've seen in canon of Ron having just tremendous difficulties with certain aspects of Harry's life and getting hot under the collar and blowing up and going off. And mm-hmm. Yeah, he does finally sink in and he just gets up and he walks away or whirls off and stomps away, as the case may be. But. Who would win in a fist fight, Ron or Crab? Crab. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I say Ron, honestly. Ron would fight with more anger, I think. Crab would fight dirty. Yeah, but you fight. know, Ron grew up in that household of, of boys. I I can see the twins of 
fighting dirty. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Ron picked up a few tricks from his brothers. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the twins. My, my triumphant return. Woohoo! Yay! It was so weird because it's like all of a sudden you you guys went in like like it was staccato syllables like that. Wow! That happens to me all the time, actually. It's always the sign the connection is getting a little wobbly. Yeah. Well, and then it hung up. And even the the hanging up noise was staccato, so I restarted Skype, but I'm back. Yay, Yay. welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back. Okay, now where Sue, are we? Sue was just telling us about... Ron stomping off after the fisticuffs, and I don't know where we want to go with Ron from there, if we want to go back to the hospital wing or somewhere else until then. Kind of did the hospital wing. Yeah. Um, what have we not talked about? You should know, leader. Well, I don't have the fic memorized. Well, maybe you shouldn't have been leading us. <coughs> now, children. Well, you were an insane leader, so I have to lead and I have to draw upon your expertise because that's what a good leader does. A good leader knows the people around her who know things, and you know about this fic. So as a good leader, I'm drawing on your knowledge, and I'm asking you what we haven't done yet. I think we need to talk about Snape's father. Okay, yeah. that's a good idea. Thank you, Sue. You're now third in command. Because <laughs> sorry, hey. <Michael. laughs> hey, you're third. In I am second in command. Yeah, I'm you're second. second. Oh, okay. Oh, Mike is okay. Mike and Deathroll, you're both second in command because you're both on either side of me. I need two. I need one on either side. I'm Goyle. Slytherins. Yeah, Mike is Goyle and Death is Crab. No, I'm Goyle. I called it first. Yeah, he, 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 my he, character. He, he did call it first. You're, it's not your character. Characters, Joe he, he just character. wants to be Goyle because Goyle's a man of action. I know, but it still belongs to Joe Rowling. Man of action is mine. Well, either way, he did call it first, and I think the rules for being Crab and Goyle is like the rules for riding in the passenger seat of the car. <laughs> Shotgun. <laughs> All right. I, I, will, I will. I think you need to write that into the fake death roll. I will take the part of Crab, Shotgun. destroyer of horcruxes. Yeah. Destroyer what of are your rules for calling a shotgun? Are you allowed to call shotgun not until you see the car? Or what You're allowed role? to call shotgun as soon as it's decided who's driving. Yeah, I always, I always the, play the, the, drive, the driver you have says, to be outside. The driver no, says, I'm driving, and then the, the person who calls shotgun says, I call shotgun. The way I always did it is just as soon as you see the car. Once the car is in sight, you can call a shotgun. It's not even out, like if you're outside but you can't see the car, you can't call shotgun. The car has to be within visibility to call shotgun. There's that rule too. Yeah, so I think it, it's done many ways. It's like an interesting anthropological study. How do you do it, Sue? I don't do it. <laughs> so I drive. Yeah, I drive everywhere. I don't like to open gates, so I like to drive. So Snape's father. Right, he's dead. Snape killed him. Yep. He did it. But he, Snape does not regard himself as having killed his father. That's no. true, oh. but see, that's like... His if point, you, too. True. He but accepted I, the dark... Yes. What? I mean, I think, he, I think he did, because I just think he did, but I think it's interesting that, that Harry throws it back at him. Well, why do you do? You don't think... You think really Snape's to blame for that whole scenario? Well, I, I don't in know. a roundabout way... He's at the blame for it in the same way Harry's the blame for Sirius. I mean... How could you? How could you say Snape's to blame for okay, his father? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. Well, Snape has had fantasies about what he wants to do to his father for years, and the Dark Lord taps into these fantasies 
while he's mucking around in Snape's mind. And as a reward for being a good Death Eater, he makes these fantasies come true. So you could say that if Snape never had these thoughts or fantasies, then the Dark Lord wouldn't have had them to tap into, and it wouldn't have happened. Sure, but but he never expected that to happen. It's like, you know, you could say if, you know, Harry had never bothered to uh, run to the Department of Mysteries to save Sirius, then Sirius, you know what I mean? It's one of, like, you know, you're allowed to think what you think. I, I, I tend to, my philosophy, I guess, is your thoughts are your thoughts. You're not if you're if you're thinking like I want to kill someone, you're not supposed to go to jail for that because you haven't actually committed a crime. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, he uh, planned to follow through, let there be no mistake, and that is conspiracy well, murder. That's debatable. Harry would say he didn't. Die. Harry would say, what Harry would say is that it was just like you know sometimes when you're really frustrated you have detailed fantasies. But for all Snape's supposed planning in his head, has he ever taken a single step to actually bring any of these plans to fruition? No, they're all just sort of like fantasies to help him cope. Is how I read it. That you know he, he comes up with these elaborate schemes in his head about how he'll bring his father down. But in all these many years, has he tried a single one of them? That's true. Mm-hmm. That well, it, I'm, it look, I'm looking for the. It wasn't necessarily the yeah. right time for any of them to follow through. One of the things about being a Slytherin is that you plan. You take your time. You wait for the right moment. Sure, he's planning, but is he even even a plan like that? You take like the first preemptive like he's not like buying the supplies to take to do any of these plans. He's not like laying the ground the pre groundwork for any of these plans. He's been an adult for a few years now. But yet it's he- all in his hand. None of it's been even started to be realized. And I would argue it's never going to be that these are he's, he was he was never going to do anything against his father. It was oh, I think he was. This is what it says. And this is the part earlier when Deathrow said that he cut himself. This is where it happened. Snape says, I hated my father. He offered unasked, uttering a quick healing term. And there were many times when I wished for him the most excruciating death. But what happened that day was not in accordance with my wishes. Oh, and then a little bit later, it's, oh, you misunderstand me, Harry, Snape said, watching him through glittering black eyes. My father's death did not turn me because I was heartbroken over his loss. I betrayed the Dark Lord because he took it upon himself to kill my father in my place. I should have ended his life. I should have been the one to destroy him. I earned it. The Dark Lord had no right to take that from me. That's what he says, but what's the chapter? The chapter number? 39. I don't know. I couldn't find it. These are just out of my notes. It's 39. I just found it. First of all, he could just be saying that. Like, to, like further manipulate Harry in the future because he knows Harry used to hate him. But I also think if he, like, let's if he's telling the truth, then yeah, he probably would have killed him later. And I think it's a really interesting point. Are you still as guilty if you want to kill someone and then they wind up dead anyway? You know what I mean? Well, I'm sure that the guilt of having the death, it's almost like you feel like you caused it. And in mm-hmm. this case, he kind of did. But um, I think he would feel, I think that would be an interesting storyline if he hadn't actually wanted his father dead. Like if he had said, oh, I hate my father. And I think I've seen this before. I don't necessarily know if it was Snape in another fic, but I've definitely seen it before where like this will be like, like if Snape said, oh, I hate my father 
and then so Voldemort killed him, and it says the Dark Lord viewed it as a gift. Mm-hmm. Like I yes. can see, I can see him see, feeling guilty if he didn't, if he hadn't actually wanted his father dead, but he did actually want his father dead, and he would have killed him otherwise. Here's mm-hmm. a bit, Kyrie. This is what I think. This is what Harry tells Snape, and uh, this is what I. This is how I. I guess, yeah, like I, I interpreted the part you read as Snape's self delusion, and that Harry cuts through the self delusion when he says, "I know you hated him, Harry." Sadistically, that must have made it so much worse, huh? You hated him, you wanted him dead, and then he died, all because of you. Forgive me if I don't follow your logic. Harry glanced at him in an odd way, and Severus suddenly became keen to the uneasy realization that the boy is paying careful attention to his expression, just as he always did to the boy. You said Voldemort acted on a fantasy from your mind, Harry explained in an almost gentle tone. But it was a fantasy. You never actually planned it. Every time your father was a bastard to you, you could look forward to the day uh, you made him pay for it. You could imagine hurting him. But if you'd really wanted him dead, you could have killed him yourself, even without magic. You could poison him, stab him, strangle him, sneak cut him off abruptly. Betray our lack of refinement, Mr. Potter. I assure you, I have wanted him dead. It's just not so simple a matter. I was biding my time. I don't think so, Harry said with infuriating calmness, still watching closely. You see, when I really hated you, I used to imagine the Cruciatus curse on you, and watching you scream, and I'd imagine dumping a cauldron of poison on your head. Snape fell silent, thrown off by the turn of the, com- uh, turn of the discussion as much as by Harry's words. Or after Sirius died, Harry continued, sometimes I'd imagine that soon Voldemort would catch you and kill you. I imagine letting him see you were a traitor in my mind, so he'd kill you. I had fantasies about hurting you because I couldn't do anything else. You were always so awful to me, and the only way I could make you sorry was in my head. Snape truly didn't care for this line of discussion. It was increasingly disturbing. What is your point, Potter? I can't imagine how I would have reacted if it actually happened, though, Harry admitted, watching Snape with what he suddenly realized, damn the bloody boy to hell, was pity. However much I hated him, I think it would have felt so awful if you'd actually been tortured, if you'd actually been killed. I'd always feel guilty knowing I'd wanted that for you. I would probably always doubt myself for wishing such horrible things for you, and uh, then having them happen. Maybe I'd always wondered I contributed somehow. And then a couple lines skip. And you weren't even my father back then, Harry considered steadfastly ignoring him. But he was your father, your family, and it wasn't just a coincidence that you wanted to happen. He killed them because that fantasy was in your mind. He killed, yeah, he held Snape's eyes unflinchingly. He was your father and he died because of you. Uh, you even had to kill him. You didn't have a choice. Voldemort made you kill your own father. You had to live with the fact uh, that he did it because you'd wanted it. That must have been horrifying. I can't imagine how horrible it was. And then I'm, it must have I bet it. I bet it was always easier to tell yourself you wanted him dead than to admit you didn't. This way, you don't feel guilty, you don't regret it, or at least you don't think you do, and you don't have to live with your father, your family dying because you were stupid enough to believe in Voldemort. You just tell yourself it was what you wanted all along, and that there was no reason to feel bad. It probably hurts less that way. And that's what I think. That's how I read it. I, I thought Harry was actually right on personally. Doesn't Snape follow that up with "you presume too much"? No, it follows up as Snape remained frozen in place. Wild thoughts of hexing the boy passed through his mind, but his arms remained locked at his sides. He'd been paralyzed. Uh, uh, and then he gives in to Harry, and he lets Harry fix Hermione. And his giving in to Harry, after Harry makes that whole speech, implies to me that Harry actually hit a nerve. I'll actually buy that. I agree with Mike. Yeah, I'll buy it. Me too. Yay, Mike! Yay! you all around. We're all in agreement. That, that's my view of Snape and Spalding. I'm with Harry. I think Harry's very perceptive. Smart boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Harry showed himself as very smart in several ways in this fic. At that point there, the whole time he was being tortured by Bella, and he decided he wasn't going to let her make him scream, and then he knew that he wasn't going to be able to get away. I like that he 
turned it around on her and, and made her walk off, like we talked about earlier. And then when Lucius was like, what did you do? And, and Harry's just, even through his pain and everything, he's like, uh, you know, why don't you untie me? Let's play a game of cards. And Lucius is like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and a minute later, you know, I'm really good at cards. Lucius is just like, shut up about the cards already, kid. What are you talking about? That's so but funny. Witty Harry. He was trying, yeah. There were parts of this where he was... He was very smart in in a, um, you know, very cunning, trying to get things. And then the end with Snape and Bella. We touched on Bella's death, but we didn't really talk about it. Are we going to go there? I'd like to continue that scene you brought up, Sue. Lucius is bored sitting there. So he basically he gets Harry drunk and then casts the uh, the dancing. Mm-hmm. the dancing like curse that, yeah. on him and it's like maybe you'll be more interesting this way and <laughs> and the whiskey glass or whatever it was he was drinking just wouldn't leave him alone and it kept magically refilling until he'd had so much and what a, what a weird thing for Lucius to do. I was like, I, it was the one thing in his characterization I thought was just really out there. Should we talk about how Harry gets caught? Um... I don't know. I I thought it was a pretty well-written scene there. Um, as far as he's had the nightmare, which is a vision from Voldemort when Voldemort feels strong emotion. And in this case, it was amusement, which is different. I don't, mm-hmm. uh, I don't usually read the visions through Voldemort's amusement. It's usually jumping up and down, shrieking, kill them, kill them. Right. Um, Mike, did and, you read it? Cause it was in italics. No, he didn't read it. And, no, I read italics. No, that's that, it. um, you know, and Bella, they've got Bella with the baby talk spot on here, you know. Oh, the poor little baby doesn't want to hear the truth. Your daddy killed your mommy, little Draco. Your little bitty belt aren't going to change that. And, you know, Draco's just screaming, stop it! He's looking at his father and he's like, why does she keep saying that? Why do you let her? And Drake and Lucius is like, we'll discuss this later. And it finally sinks in that it's the truth. And Draco stomps off and disappears and goes back to Hogwarts. And that's where Harry wakes up because he's had the vision mm-hmm. that Death Row was just talking about and knows that Draco's there and goes out to... I like that he's, his first thought is, go get Snape. Yes. Snape will take care of this. And then, But he's looking at the map and he knows that Draco's... You know, he's walking towards it and then he's backing up and he's trying to, he's being very indecisive. And so he knows there's not enough time and he just goes, which is so typical, Harry. Yes, very, very typical, Harry. And never smart, but he never learns. He never learns, no matter how many fics we read. Yes, you'd think he'd have learned this from that other fic. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Harry, really. you should have Did, learned didn't this. Didn't he read that. Power of Emotion? No, evidently not. Didn't he read Canon? Didn't he read anything? Didn't he read Death Rolls fic? He should read my fic. So he, um. Imagine Harry's face. Like, imagine Canon Harry's face if he. Can read. you imagine what Harry's reaction would be if he found out that people in, in like, an, an alternate universe where his story is a fictional story? wrote stories about him being in Slytherin and being Snape's son. That's what I was about to say. That was exactly what I was about to say. So basically, if we have one of those weird cross-dimensional episodes of Potterfic Weekly or or Harry Potter or whatever. If Harry Potter was real, what do you think his reaction would be to reading this story or Death Roll's story? He'd be like screaming like, oh my god, people are lunatics. Or like some of the really crazy ones where like, I don't know, Harry has sex with like the... Everyone. Or something. I don't know. 
And gets uh, pregnant. Yes. <laughs> I think you just set Mike off again. Or even if even if he found one of the ones where he's like a dark lord, or, or yes. better yet, no, that, that that's better yet that all these alternate dimensions are real and all the Harrys gather together and Canada's Harry has to meet all these other Harrys and the male, the pregnant Harry, and the devil Harry. It's not Harry that's the problem in those stories. It's just like I think it would be the concept that would freak him out. That's what I'm saying. Like he has to meet the impregnated. Didn't they do this in Spider-Man? Impregnated Harry is still Harry. Like I think he would still like find himself identify. Like he would be able to identify himself. Well, no, because if it's all from the fanfics, they're they're all sort of different characters. Like Canon Harry isn't the same Harry as Pregnant Harry from Bad Fanfic. Be like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Or like like or like Ryan's Harry, where all he does is sit on the couch and eat potato chips. That book Ryan's always talking about for like a hundred chapters, where all he does is sit on the couch and eat potato chips. Uh, I haven't heard about that one. Orion talks about it all the time. He's like, the whole book, all Harry does is wander is, around his is this Is this the the worst? Is this the one he describes as the worst fic he's ever read? Yeah, yeah. I think or so. Like, I was reading a hundred chapters of this thing, and all he does is walk around the apartment and turn the TV <laughs> on, sit on the couch. <laughs> In his underwear and eat chips. Does he you wear boxes or Ryan briefs? Ryan exaggerates. I, sure I, don't know, I know he's exaggerating, but it's still a funny little Ryanism. Like Ryan has a great him. gift for hyperbole. No, no, really. No, he does. <laughs> I know. I was being sarcastic. Oh, this is awful. My sarcasm about Ryan's hyper- my hyperbole about Ryan's hyperbole was lost on Mike. Like when or Mike doesn't think she is a snarky person. I am still scared. I think we're up to the final scene now, right? The whole right. Malfoy, Bella. And well, Malfoy. that's not really the final scene. The final scene is like going off into the sunset. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The final. The final action scene. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you think of Bella's death? What do you think of Lucius's death? What do you think of the interactions between? Snape I kind of thought and... Bella's death was pretty cool from like a, from a Snape standpoint. I actually thought they were both cool from like a manipulative Slytherin-y type standpoint. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Set them both up, and oh look, they killed each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do like that, um, and this isn't Bella, this is Lucius, but when he lets Snape in and he's waiting for him and he has Harry standing in front of him in the invisibility cloak so that when Snape casts the curse at him, it's going to hit Harry. I thought that was great. Yes. That was a mm-hmm. great way that it happened. And I'm really glad that Snape didn't cast the killing curse. Yes, very, very, very glad. <laughs> yes, or otherwise the story would have been over. I would have thrown the story across the room if it were a book. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't advise throwing your computer across the room. No, it's quite heavy. I don't think I could throw it all the way across the room. Me neither. I bet you could. <laughs> now, don't don't do this because someone's going to get hurt. I have an old school <laughs> 17-inch monitor that's huge, how heavy. I, I can lift the couch up and throw it across the table. You tell me you can't throw a computer across the table? I could probably chuck my computer off the, uh, across the room. Well, mine's a laptop. It would fly like yeah. a frisbee. Yeah. frisbee. Even an old heavy-duty computer... You can lift that. You know, those things will fly if you throw it with some strength. I can't. I don't know if I could lift like a a computer. Like I couldn't chuck it. Like I could maybe lift it to carry it somewhere, but I couldn't throw it. That's what could throw it. 
Eh, maybe a little bit. Are you but, a strong man, Deathrow? Well, reasonably strong. I'm not a bodybuilder <laughs> or anything like that. I'm not the world's strongest man competition. Or Are they like they like pull like a truck with their well, teeth? Look at your yeah. this way. Either you're in good shape or you're in really, really horrible shape. Because all your characters do in your story are work out their muscles. So, <laughs> so either it's an accurate depiction of your life or it's a way the way you wish you could be. Exactly. So yeah, either it's what you actually do and it's an interest of yours or it's, it's like a plot a, device. Or it's just like your dream. Death Row does not want to con- confess to being in bad shape. <laughs> I can run a six-minute mile. That's good. You can do that. You can throw your computer across the room. End of debate. <laughs> what does throwing this? have to do with my legs? It means you're in at least okay shape. And if you're in okay, any person in okay shape can do that. I, How did this I, suddenly become about I'm me? I'm not in, I wouldn't say I'm in bad shape, like running-wise, well, but I don't think I could, I don't think I, I can't lift heavy but things. But the difference is, I don't want things to be I'm, because I'm, like, I'm a small being. person. A, like a, like a, a computer, like a computer that's on the floor is like half the size of me. Oh yeah, I was talking to Death Roll, not UPS. I think it is different. But someone Death Roll size, a male his size, in at least okay shape, they should be in the hospital if they can't throw a computer across the room, even an old desktop. And it's a small room. What this actually <laughs> reminds me of... <laughs> <laughs> what this actually reminds me of is I attended uh, Worcester Polytechnic Institute for a while, and they have an annual I event. You bring us back to the fic. Oh no! Oh, this no. reminds me of Quidditch, which is in this fic. They <laughs> and I'm every sorry, year at the end of the year they have what they call the technology smash, and they gather together all of the old computer technology bit things that have been replaced over the course of the past year because they're so outdated and they set them all up in the parking lot and let students add them with like sledgehammers and bowling balls and so forth. Same thing here with cars. They pull up a couple of cars up and they give you all a sledgehammer and they have you go at them. Yeah, they do that too. I actually used the bowling ball as a shot put and went right through the screen of a monitor. It was beautiful. It crashed in and the whole thing exploded out. My point, the well, final point being, I'm confident you could throw a computer across your room. Your computer across your room. Yes, Mike, I could throw a computer across the room. I predict, because see, I'm sitting against the wall of the room. I think I could make it. Yes, do it. You can do. It. Well, I'm talking about. I I'm talking about. I'm talking about my laptop. Oh, your laptop! Oh, anyone can throw a laptop across there. You just have a to get a dog can throw a laptop. A dog really? can't pick you it up. You should take a video of that and put it on YouTube. You know what, you, Mike? You should enter your dog in the thing in those. Um, you know, sometimes they'll show instead of real sports, they'll show dogs doing stuff. You should enter in enter your dog in that if it can do that. <laughs> Computer shot putting. <laughs> no, it's like the dogs. Um. I forget what it's called, but like the dogs, they do they that they catch frisbees and they run through tunnels. And oh they, yeah, yeah. Um, the hell is that? They called? jump well, in the water. Guys, not to cut you off, but since I only have like five ten minutes, I'd like to hear what you thought of BNL and their downfall, and then final thoughts overall. And then we can See, inside. You're really soft for me, Mike. Yeah. What we thought about what? Oh, I said I have to leave. Bella and Lucius. Bella and Lucius. Okay. I love love how I can translate Mike into English. That's why you two are so perfect for each other. Thank you. They have canine dressage. Mm, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, no one's riding the dog, but the dog like goes to stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, I yes. I was I already said that I thought that their deaths were pretty cool. Yeah, very suitable. Yeah, I think that they were well thought out and that they happened well. I loved Bella's just because 
it was, oh, you betrayed the Dark Lord. And that's the worst thing that you could say to her before yeah. he killed her. I, I, like I said earlier, I really like uh, that she was a more two-dimensional character. I mean, to me, a more three-dimensional character. Less of a two-dimensional character. Yeah. Well, I, I think part of the difficulty is, Mike, you're asking us for our feelings on the resolution of everything here, but there is no resolution. That is the resolution, is the bad guys die. The resolution is that there's no resolution. The resolution yeah. is there needs to be another fic. I think yes. that's the whole conversation, but I think the problem you're making is I think to E.M. Snape, Voldemort isn't the bad guy. The bad guys do lose. The bad guys are Lucius and to a lesser extent yeah, Bella. in this fic, and there needs to be a sequel. Yeah, this fic is good in and of itself. It is complete, but now the world that you've produced needs to resolve the greater storyline of Harry Potter. Let's not go. We spent like an hour on that. Let's not rehash our disagreements on that. <laughs> so my, I guess my final question would be one, two things. One, final thoughts, anything else you want us to talk about? And two, now that you finished it, overall, what did you like from it? Starting with Sue. Well, thank you. <laughs> Um, I think that we've hit most of the highlights, except for maybe the last chapter, which is kind of them riding off into the sunset. Um, oh, yeah, what happens to Draco, I guess, what happens there, yeah. Well, yeah, Remus... Draco. Yeah. I, I felt really bad for Draco, like, Drake, yeah. with his problem. Lockhart syndrome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Did everyone else find it funny, though? I, I couldn't... I know it's me, but I, I kept laughing every time Draco kept going on to Harry, like... Oh, were we best friends? Oh, did you show me how to do that? Oh, Harry. I actually, I actually really liked um where Harry try Harry like tells him, oh, we used to do potions class together, and we <laughs> we used to throw Cause things in each other's cauldrons as a joke. It's like so it's not like really a lie, but like not <laughs> yeah, yet. but you would not joke in Snape's class. <laughs> well, Draco doesn't know that because Draco doesn't know who Snape is. He fears Snape. That's something we didn't talk about. He freaks out anytime he sees even a potion because some form of trauma is is leaking through this memory charm. Mm-hmm. Which is which why I, it would be interesting to see a sequel and see what comes of that. Yeah. Well, and this is just the part for um, about Remus and Draco, and it's Remus had grown fond of Draco, and Draco had come to adore Remus, a lonely man and a rootless teenager. The arrangement worked rather nicely for them both. Although occasionally Harry was disturbed to find he and Snape wore identical looks of displeasure while watching them. Harry remained close to Remus as well. It was just strange sharing him with Draco. So, you know, I'm glad that they found each other and not in any bad way. Perverse way. You know, that both needed someone. And and I, I can see that as a... As a good kind of bonding pair. They, well, I can see him as father and son-ish, not yeah, really, but you know. It's sort of what's going on here with Snape and Harry. Yeah. Two mm-hmm. lost I think it's souls kind finding of nice each other. As much as it sort of smacks of pairing up the spares. Pairing up the spares. Well, it's better yeah. than killing the spare. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. And I love the way it ended with the Dursleys locked in the cupboard. That was beautiful. Yeah, that, that, was, that was interesting. <laughs> I truly did not think the cramped space would accomplish their mass, Snape noted dispassionately. But you'd be surprised what can be accomplished with a minor remodeling spell. <laughs> you, know, you, just, yeah. you, you just see Harry going, yeah! <laughs> and you picture the, the resized cupboard now being about three inches too small. Mm-hmm. So they're squeezed together just so uncomfortably, not even a chance of moving. Right. Oh, yeah. They have to be stuffed in there like you know, little sausages or something. I was kind of confused about whether they're going to remember remember it or not. 
because Snape says he cast a memory charm, and then Harry said, let them remember it, and then they leave. So it's like, did he take it off, or? Well, I think what Snape ends up saying is, they'll remember the experience, but they won't remember how it happened or why. Okay. Did he wipe out any memory of Harry? Yeah, he wiped out the memory of Harry and himself, I think. But they'll remember being locked in the cupboard. They just may not know why they they did it. That seems kind of weird, but okay. Well, I don't think Snape would particularly like, care Snape about that, I mean, leaving the Dursleys just, alone. We just, it was evidence that Snape isn't good at memory charms, so it, mm-hmm. he'd be that fine to like remove half the memory. Well, no, we don't know if he screwed it up or not. We just know he tempted it. I don't mm-hmm. think he's that caring that he really cares if he screwed it up. Exactly. Oh, no, I don't think he does. I just think he must have because he's not good at them. Right. And then the very last line, it was as close as either of them would dare approach to voicing genuine affection. But it was enough. As they apparated from the Dursleys for the last time, Harry and Severus, Severus both understood that whatever rocky future they faced, or however difficult the path ahead, they faced it together as father and son. That's nice. That's very nice. The end. The, the end. end. And that brings us to the close of our coverage of In Blood Only by E.M. Snape. Next week, we will be back with... Tale of a Long Time Gone. Yes, Tale of a Long Time Gone by Star of the North, which is a founder first fic. So that is a first here for us at Potterfic Weekly. Yes, and I'm very I am, excited. I'm very excited. I've That'll never read fun. this fic, but I look forward to it. I haven't read a good founder's fic, so. Peoncast has just finished covering the, a sorting hat tale where the founders are in the sorting hat. We did... Oh, Three or uh, four of them. Voyages of the Thinking Cap? Yeah, we did Voyages and Legacy. Oh, Cap excellent. Those. I love those. So, it's hilarious stuff. It'll be a while before it comes out, but we just finished recording them this week. How long a story is it? There's um, three or four one-shots and then a longer chapter story. You did and all of them? We did all the one-shots. Nice. you have a link you can send me soon? Later. Sure. I think I've read those. Long time ago. Mm-hmm. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Sleep well. Don't let the bed bugs bite. They're Don't let nasty. the cockroaches bite. <laughs> this has been a very Don't successful. Fall the bed with you if you're not careful. This has been a successful non-mic dictatorial podcast of Potterfic Weekly. You were Voldemort, P.S., and I was Snape, and you felt like you were in charge, but I was secretly manipulating you down the paths I wanted you to take. <laughs> Okay, if you want to think that, you can pat you on the head. This is for both P.S. and Death Row. For P.S., what were the pros and cons to your mind of the all-girls school, and why or why not would you send your kids there? And uh, Death Row, for you, same question in terms of private schools and same-sex schools. Well, I enjoyed it, and it's all I know. Do you feel socially that fully prepared you, though, for interactions in the real world where you have to interact in mixed gender societies or do you feel it was somewhat stunted your ability to socially interact i don't necessarily think so what about the private versus public aspect for death row i would absolutely consider sending my kids to private school would you rule out a public school what would be the deciding factor for you in picking between them i would honestly hope to get my kids into a charter school i went to public high school it was not a great place oh i think that would depend on the public high school wouldn't it not every see the reason here's why i'm a Afraid of, I'm leery of public school because you can't control what school your kids go to. It's based on where you live. I mean, you could move 
to be near a good no, school. No, you control it. I pick what high school I wanted to. Most people don't have that luxury, Mike. Who can remember anything they learned from high school? Most people can't. What do you actually learn from high school that matters education-wise? Absolutely nothing. See, actually, here's the I disagree entirely. I, I had a I very... Finish my philosophy. I Two things matter from high school only. I'll let you talk. Let me finish what I'm saying, and then I'll let you guys talk. Uh, we need to rebut the first point. Wait, let me finish I had very valuable... Hey, guys, I have to go. I'm going to interrupt you to say goodnight. Um, Thank you for letting me drop in late. And uh, Mike, Skype me later about baking. Feel free. (laughs) I was right. He thinks you're not a good baker. He thinks I'm not a good baker? I'm a great baker. Not a good baker. It was my favorite. Not bread baker. I think you make good bread. I don't think you make good cookies. Oh, I make great cookies. Ask Abley. She had my cookies the other day. All right. We'll see. Bye, guys. I think I'm going to let you guys hash it out. I'm going to hang up. Yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of done. Yeah. What the hell? I don't know. Good night. Good night. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. And yes, you have pants. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, I'm wearing shorts right now. Oh. Uh, they're from Nike. They're casual. It's a nice mesh material. They've got paint on them, too, from a, a mission trip I was on three years ago. So it's, I don't really wear them in public, but they're quite comfortable. So I'm ready to podcast. Okay. I'm in my flannel pajamas with moon, stars, and big fluffy clouds. Alrighty. Well. And it's periwinkle too. Periwinkle. Wow, there's a color. Robert, do you have the link? Yes. Do. The fic we're doing. doing. Yes, which is incredibly weird, and I'm kind of curious as to why you're doing it. But <laughs> because it was short. It was nice. I, just I thought I it was a little surprise. I thought it was like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm confused. And I know I read it fast. But the thing that I'm confused about is that it says, like, days after the battle, Dennis Creeby finds Colin's camera. And we, oh, wait, never mind. The photo shoot's later. Yes. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Here's never mind. Steve. I missed there one heart in my tree. Okay. So what? Kelly yeah. picked I'll, it. I'll, so she's going first. I'll intro it. Yeah. And then Trisha. We can do alphabetical, or Robert can be last, Robert's or last. it doesn't matter. She's the guest peon. So I'm amazing. You just you're just the wannabe. I am the celebrity guest star, is what I am. Yep. Robert has taken <laughs> over the podcast. <laughs> Principium Peoncast. Welcome to Peoncast, the Harry Potter fanfiction podcast. Your source for one-shot reviews of varying depth, efficiency, and coherence. Not to mention off-topic banter. Brought to you by Potterbig Weekly. And now, here's your host, Robert Stanley. Hey everyone, welcome to Peoncast. I'm your host, Robert Stanley, and I'm being joined by none other than <coughs> Kelly Scott. Well, I'm sorry. Hello, welcome to Peoncast. I'm Kelly. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. I'm Trisha. And I'm Robert. Run away and lock up your children. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, come on. We're not that bad. <laughs> Robert has deigned to join us today. Uh, we're reviewing a fic called Cauterize. The author is Lady Altair, and uh, this was found on LiveJournal. So, yes. uh, all I can say, it, it kind of screwed me up when, when I did the live journal. It says Twilight Place or Twilight Palace, and I'm like, am I in the right fic? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it really is a Harry Potter fic. I was weird. I'm like, Jacob? Edward? <laughs> coming? Okay. Save me from Twilight, please. Ugh. <laughs> hey, I watched that movie and Jacob was fine. I embarrassed myself in that movie theater. We're not going to talk about Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit this out. No. Okay. So Kelly doesn't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. All right. I don't um, know about you guys, but over here I'm sparkling in the sunlight. So, <laughs> and I'm really excited to be recording this podcast. So, I'm just going to continue to sparkle. Just I sparkle. Oh, my eyes! Yeah. It's so bright in here. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Make it hard to flowers. So, Take control, Kelly. Take control. This fic. Hello. Get my whip and my chair out. Okay. This fic is from a point of view that we don't normally see. It takes place several years after the Battle of Hogwarts, and it's Dennis Creevy. It starts, it says, of course, it's missing something vital. That's the point. Dennis Creevy takes up his brother's camera after the war. Mm-hmm. Dennis finds Colin's camera in his brother's room, and he leaves it in his brother's room because Colin was killed. He's only just been killed a few days ago. Right. So he leaves it there. And the second little clip in this fic is... Worded a little bit oddly, because it starts, it says, it's years later, which is sort of a past tense thing, and then shifts to present tense, it says, the camera gathers dust. It's a little bit of an odd phrasing, I noticed. But anyway, several years pass, and Dennis finds Colin's camera again, and he decides to take a series of pictures of the scars left by this war and that battle in particular. Yeah, the survivors. The rest the it's divided into sections which describe each, each of the show. pictures yeah. that ends up in his collection. At the beginning, when he finds the camera right after the battle, he leaves it because he's young and finding it is like rubbing salt and lemon into a fresh and painful wound. So now that he's found it years later and things are scarred over, it's easier for him to to take it up. It's just like sometimes when you first do something, you don't realize. I mean, when you try to do something too soon after like maybe some kind of tragedy or something like that, it just hurts a little bit too much. Right. So the, mm-hmm. the first one that we see is Lavender. Lavender goes first. And she has scars from Grayback. And she is very proud of those scars. They're on her neck, shoulder, back, and arm. And because they're werewolf scars, they don't heal. She I- flaunts them. Right. Um, and uh, she is the first person to get her photo taken by Colin's camera. And so he takes a picture of her scars on her back. And she's looking over quite, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, beguilingly at the camera? Yeah. I would say seductive. But hey, yes. we're something. Come yeah. hither. Uh, come hither, look. Hey, frozen, um, taking this is going to be a because dumb question because I can't remember. But. Mm-hmm. Okay, there was no full moon during the battle, so right. Lupin and Greyback were not turned. Right, but right. from bites from even though um, Greyback bites him, she probably has 
if I remember right with Bill, that he, he she'll have more werewolf tendency, maybe like a keener sense of smell or like raw meat. Right. At, at the moon. Right. That's the understanding that we have. That, okay. Yeah. But and those scars and heal. Because yeah. they, they say something about her her eyes turn a different color or her eyes are a different color or something. Right. Too. Mm-hmm. It says Dennis feels like a rabbit caught in a predator's gaze when she pins him down with her eyes. Hazel with a strangely amber yellow sheen. So that, yeah, and maybe it's just a I think that's also um, she's so scarred. It could be. Yeah, and she it, could it, have more of a thing than Bill does. Too. Right. I mean, exactly. more of a tendency. Or traits or whatever. Right. Right. So she's the first photo to be taken. You want to talk about uh, the next one, Sue? Katie Bells is the next one. And I like it. It says that she would be terrifying if she weren't so sweet and friendly. And when mm-hmm. she sits. She brings him an apple pie to yeah. the um, photo shoot. <laughs> right. And worries over him because he's too skinny. And she sounds like a Molly Weasley. Yeah. She poses twice and Dennis displays the photographs together. Two profiles, each with her smiling prettily off to one side. And it's the two sides of her face. So on one side, she looks perfectly normal. And then on the other side is the horror of purpled ropey veins embedded into the graying skin, like some parasitic vine wrapping around to sink into the outer corner of her eye and poison it liquid black. Okay, what happened? Did it say anything that happened to Katie I I think she was. Or this is just. I think she was hit with a curse. Yeah, okay, probably. I didn't know. I, I can't remember because I'm wondering if some of these things are kind of like more of a yeah, uh, a number of author, these are extrapolation author. thing. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. I think the author took some uh, artistic liberties. Liberty. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's Katie. So this almost made me reread this, <laughs> reread right. the final battle over again. You get different things like that. Scott, what about the sixth one? The third picture he takes is actually of two people because he has Morag McDougall and Anthony Goldstein. Posed together. We're told at the end of this section that they're actually married, but um, I don't know if they decided not to change the name or if the author is just giving us their names so we know who they are, which would make sense. Right. Probably. They have him sitting in front of her. She's reaching forward to cover his eyes while he reaches up to cover her ears. And there's description given of how her eyes and his ears look. And it turns out that, in fact, he is deaf and she is blind from things that they went through in the battle. Right. Hear no evil, see no evil. They wear matching wedding bands on their left hand and seem to exist in a space apart from the world where such a thing could never work. Right. Which I thought was an interesting phrasing. She does quite well. This, This entire story is meant to be very evocative, so you can almost see or hopefully you can see the pictures as they're described right um, i've actually read are they further all on. black and white yeah well no they're um, not one of them I'm isn't sure. lavender's one of them, is okay. one of but, well lavender's is black and white yeah okay but for i don't reason, think it I says them all about the rest of them yeah i don't think that this one is because it describes her eyes as brilliantly blue and his ears is very pink. So mm-hmm. that wouldn't show up so much in a blackened. Now, this one anyway. is interesting. This one we know about. Robert, you want to talk about George? Yeah, it's interesting that uh, Dennis decided to photograph George kind of like by himself off to one side, obviously showing where Fred is not there. Like the scar is the lack of Fred. I found it very interesting that they used... Uh, 
like a person like criticizing the photo, like and not making sense. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting choice by the author's part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the summary quote comes out of this one because the this critic has said it makes no sense that it's framed that way. It's too heavy on one side. It's like something vital is missing, and Dennis doesn't quite know how to explain that. That's the point. That's- of course, something vital is missing. Right. We have a visit from Charlie next. Uh, Charlie's come in to look at the pictures and asks about Lavender's photograph. Uh, Dennis takes a picture of Charlie while he's leaning up against the wall when he's still looking at the pictures. Uh, Charlie asks for Lavender's name. and <laughs> Knowing the brash Weasley, yeah, I, I don't doubt that he's going to ask her for a date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dennis does. He's not sure anyone could just owl a complete stranger. But, <laughs> but it's Charlie. <laughs> and, a, and a year later. And he's not in a towel. And he's not in a towel. Oh, well, maybe later. No, it's Dennis does photograph their wedding. She has all the increments. She's changed the scarring, actually. She's tattooed it. She has tattooed the names of all the people who have died at the Battle of Hogwarts into her scars in gold ink, the magic gold ink. It kind of reminded me of Luna's friends yes. thing in yes. her room. That's what it reminded me I of. I thought it was very interesting that it says that uh, he knows exactly where to find Fred Weasley, right. and it's on her mm-hmm. back, and it's in silver instead of in gold. I thought this was really interesting. I thought that was a, a living memorial. It was really cool. Yeah. When I listened to this, and it says he asked for Lavender's name, and Dennis doesn't think that he can do it. And then the next line is Dennis does their wedding photographs a year later. It brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. It was just like, wow, that's just really cool. Trisha, you want to do Harry? <laughs> well, can I make a quick comment real fast yeah, before we go move ahead? On? From the writing perspective, I find it interesting that the author is very methodical about each kind of section is like one character, one character, mm-hmm. one character, yeah. one character. And then all of a sudden, the author decides to break away and kind of extrapolate on the two of the characters that she has previously done and kind of describe that. And I thought it was kind of, I don't want to say it was jarring. It was very well done, and I, I liked it. But it also, at the same time, was kind of jarring from the kind of the feel of the entire flow of the fic for me. Well, so, I don't think so, because I look at it like he's looking at what the war has done to this person and this person and this person, and then these two people who are damaged, who are able to start a life together. And then you're going to see, as we go on in the story, more and more people, that it's not just one person who's affected, it's two, or it's four, or it's six. It starts as one, and it just builds from there. I mean, it starts to snowball. yeah, you know, we don't stay with a single person all the way through this. It expands and then contracts back down again to a single person at the end of it. It is a little bit different that this is the first time, because, I mean, we had Morrig and Anthony. There were two people in the photo, Mm -hmm. but this is the first time we've gone back and taken more photos of someone already done. Right, right. But it sort of shows the process of them beginning to heal each other. I think it worked in the context of Cauterize being the title. Yeah, it's to heal the scars and the wounds that are there. So we have Trisha. Okay, now we have Harry. And it's kind of poignant, as they say, that he knows if he would ever sell this collection, that would probably be worth the most because he's the savior of the wizarding world. 
I just liked how they he just didn't do his face. He just did like his eyes and his forehead, and that's it. Yeah. It's brilliant green eyes. And then he takes another one of his chest, which is his. He's more proud of, and right. Harry requests it as anonymous because no one knows that's another scar of he who must not be named Voldemort's. Right. That was Harry getting rid of that other Horcrux. That's a Victoria scar. <laughs> I beat you. Didn't yeah. beat me. I'm looking at this going, not that much time could have passed. Yeah. Because he, Teddy's still a baby. I have a feeling like some of this might, maybe this is just out of order. Yes, I get the opinion that it jumps around a lot. Yeah. Oh, you, gross. What? Because if you actually go. You don't want to know. <laughs> because like it refers to uh, for your son, Draco. And it's like. And Draco being married. Yeah, then, like, that one, the years have gone by. This is a ongoing collection. Dennis is taking picture of Andromeda with Teddy. Andromeda is still the proud but despairing, beautiful woman. She is responsible for her grandson. And he is having a temper tantrum. <laughs> I like how some of them are taken unofficially like some of them are people actually come in and sit down or pose right. and he takes their picture and some of them he sort of sneaks up on people and just takes a picture yeah of like he did for charlie and now this yeah. one it's kind of like and i don't know how many have done anything in photography but i noticed this with george especially when you're setting up a frame like that and people are complaining oh well you know it looks uh, looks uneven that's an artistic thing because you right. always break pictures into thirds. When you're mm-hmm. taking a picture of a sky, you don't want the horizon in the smack dab middle of the picture. It makes it boring. You want it to right. be either a third of the picture below or a third of the picture above. Or diagonal or something weird, not just straight across. It makes it boring. Right. I thought this was interesting with Andromeda because she looks very small in the frame. She's comforting her screaming grandson. And she looks so alone. She really doesn't have anybody to help her. Her family is gone or has disowned her. And I just, I really felt terrible for Andromeda. So, but it was. Yeah, this made me and this. So the way that Dennis set this up was extremely revealing, I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then our next one is Neville, who refuses to have his picture taken. But rather than that being it, what he does instead is send a picture of his parents with him as a baby to take its place because that's really what he's lost in this entire war his parents who are still alive and do not see him who the Montgomery <laughs> sister um that was another artist i'm not sure i think so it would be a boy montgomery they weren't necessarily there but their brother was. no he's five yeah something about the sisters and their little brother was attacked yeah or something like that there I might have been something about the werewolf attack, at least. Right. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. where that's from. I don't think it was in the final battle. I think it was maybe he in was, the... He wasn't the turned into a werewolf. Right. He was killed by Greyback because yeah. he's not going to get any older than five. I mean, this isn't like a vampire where you bite yeah. him and he never ages. This is... He's dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this was in Half-Blood Prince, though. Mm-hmm. I thought we weren't going to talk about Twilight. <laughs> We're not. <laughs> I didn't bring it up. I did not say anything about Edward or Sparkles. I I told you I was not going to. Vampires are totally different. We have a vampire. Yeah, I just want to let you know you look amazing tonight and all your sparkles. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I try. 
Grayback left a deeper scar on them than any of the other victims who bear the mark of his claws. Just... Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure what the significance is of Hannah's mother's pearls. Were the abbots one of the families that got decimated in some way? Her mom was killed. Yeah, her aunt is... By Voldemort. Mother. Oh. That's why it's her late mother's mm-hmm. pearl. Of course, yes. It's hard to tell with that, because it could have been... Having been a few years, her mother could have just died naturally, but I'd forgotten. Trisha? I want this one, man. I, I was trying to see if Trisha was still with <laughs> us. Go ahead. Okay. So it says that Molly and Arthur Weasley are another accident. He happened to be walking into the kitchen during a DA order gathering, and he found them alone there gazing at the enchanted clock. And in Molly's hand is Fred's hand from the clock. It says that the clock stands in the middle of the frame with Arthur on one side and Molly on the other. And Dennis took the picture just as Arthur reached over to grasp Molly's hand and Fred's within hers. And he leaves really fast after he takes it, and he doesn't know if they even know he was there. And he thinks that the obvious title would be Holding Hands, but he doesn't think anybody would look beyond Molly and Arthur's hands to the little clock hands. So he decides he's not going to really call it that. And I just thought that was really neat that even though the hand has fallen off the clock, it's really carefully looked after. He's titled it Holding Hands. It seems like it's a too obvious a title for the picture. But what he's really referring to is them holding on to Fred's hand, even though most people look at it and go, oh, that's just people holding hands. Why would he call it that? You know. Here's another pair that are a pretty obvious pair. We have uh, Pravati and Padma, and they aren't identical. Because they've been scarred in different patterns. Right. Yeah. Pravati has a burn scar on her cheek, and Padma's chin and lower lip were cursed. So... He's got them almost like, it kind of reminded me of Katie Bell's because it was a profile, but he's got them standing nose to nose, and they're still mirroring each other, but their mirror is rippled, I guess would be a good word for it. The last one is years after. Years and years later. Years later, and people are mad at him because he's put this picture up. It's Draco Malfoy. In so many ways, he is a hero in in the book and in the war. He's a what? But he's not, too. He's a what? He is in some way a hero. How? <laughs> He's his own damn skin. <laughs> Trisha, how is he a hero? I know. I, do, I just kind of, I don't know. I don't know how to explain myself. We've got this. This is the last picture. And it's Draco's scar on his arm. Did we lose Scott again? Yes. All right. Well, then I'll wait. Would somebody else like to talk about Draco? And the fact that they've been being a hero? No, just or of this particular really. part. Oh. I wouldn't call him a hero, but I kind of see where Trish is coming from, just in that he turned out not to be as evil as he could have been. Even and, though he's a wimp and he was out for himself, he could have done a lot more damage. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what you just said, but I am agreeing with you anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, but then you can make the argument that Anyone who stands by and watches something happen, a hero. I don't know, I think that kind of takes the word hero and just kind of pollutes it. Because it's like, true. Let's say I mean, it's not, it's not a, a hero per se. Hero is a strong word, and I think a lot of times people use it of a general thing. And that's, I'm not saying that he is a true hero, but he, uh, how do I, I don't, I just, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, he's not antagonist either. He's not a villain. 
No, Draco is extremely passive aggressive. Okay. You could see where like Snape's a hero. Like he wasn't like out there and like being Superman and saving everyone, but he had his place within the fight that aided Harry. And I'm guessing where Kelly's saying that he's not a hero. So I guess where I agree with Kelly and the, the fact is that what does Draco do to aid in the fight against Voldemort? He doesn't um, do anything. He is instrumental in the whole Elder Wand thing working out, but that was accidental. Right. Totally accidental right. in that. Yeah. And not so much of a, a conscious decision on his part. I can see where the Wizarding World gets upset about this. I mean, if I was in the Wizarding World, yeah. like I am actually. No, I'm joking. <laughs> like, being, if I was the Wizarding, the Wizarding so World, I'd be upset about this. Because it'd be like. It's not but it's a not just the heroes that have scars. Gallery of Scars. Right. Yeah. People who have been scarred by the war. It's not people who were heroes in the war necessarily. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And you also look at it from he's not there willingly. He's there yeah. because his wife, his wife has asked him <laughs> to do this for his son. Right. Mm-hmm. Because this whole project has been about learning to live with your scars, learning to live with the wounds, learning to live with your mistakes, even if the mistakes end up being good or bad. Not so much your mistakes, but learning to live with what... Your choices! Hello! Learning to live with <laughs> what life has dealt you. This is not so much your choices. This is a react, not proactive, but reactive. And this is a showing that somebody who went down the wrong path has done what he could to put himself back on the right path. I mean, he has a newborn son, and he's not continuing what his father did he's doing his own thing mm-hmm. you know he may not like what he's doing or why he has to do it but he's not going to follow the same path that his father did mm-hmm. right i kind of like that dennis actually would rather have got a different picture but his camera was on the other side of the room yeah that astoria kind of comes into the gallery and sees the photos and then contacts him and says will you do this one as well and when she contacts him she's hugely pregnant and when they show up for the shoot, she's carrying the baby. And I love that Draco is lugging the diaper bag over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that was Behind funny. her. And then the shot that Scott's talking about is she says, this is for your son, Draco. And their eyes meet and there's a current between them. And Dennis really wishes that that would have been the picture that he was able to get because of the current that's between them. But the camera's across the room and he can't get that one. So he goes back and just gets... Draco sitting by himself. And I like this line. He tries to look arrogant, but there are circles under his eyes, and he just looks tired, and there's a shadow of shame lurking somewhere underneath. I think, you know what, I think this is where I'm thinking he's, like you said, he's living with his mistakes and trying to go down another path that's not like his father and stuff, and he's trying to break the pattern of the family. This is where I think he's a hero in so many ways, yeah. He's breaking the pattern. Right, but this is, mm-hmm. it's the whole idea of, of the project was this was healing You're right. all the way down the line. And so we have Draco get his picture taken, and people are asking for another collection, and Dennis is like, I'm done. This is what I needed to do. I'm finished. And he doesn't take any more pictures. He puts Colin's camera away, and that's the end of it. So mm-hmm. I thought this was an interesting fic because... Yes. It mm-hmm. kind of reflects on everything. It's not all sunshine and roses after Harry wins the war. Right. Mm-hmm. The good beats the bad. 
kind of thing. You know, what is good and what is bad. And it's all relative. They still lost in order to win. Right. Right. I'm just kind of looking at some of the comments. And the very first comment is, that is so terribly sad and beautiful. I really liked it. I mean, it was very touching. I loved seeing the snapshots. The description. You can't see them in your head. Right. The description were enough to do that. Yeah, it was enough to let yeah. your imagination go. It just gave you enough direction with where she wanted you to do it. But then you could fill in all the other information within your head. At least that's what yeah. I think. It that's was just enough was to, it was enough of a tease to let your own imagination build up. It's just like you go see a movie and yes, it's really scary. But the thing is, they don't really show you all the blood and the guts, but it scares you half to death because it lets your imagination just run wild. I love mm-hmm. those kind of movies, like Silence of the Lambs. You don't need all that gore and stuff like that to scare you. The census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some father beans and a nice candy. It's just enough to let your imagination run. Yeah, the suspense just lets your imagination mm-hmm. run wild. One of the things that somebody said was that it was inspiring enough that they asked if they could draw fan art. And she replied that she'd actually rather they not, because for her, she'd done the work to make the words paint a picture for you, and to actually paint a picture of it would ruin that. It's true. Right. It wouldn't be quite the same that way. I would actually like to see fan art of this just because they are really evocative pictures, but I can definitely see her point with that. This is a minimalistic writing because it allows you to, I mean, everybody has their own idea of what Lavender looks like, you know, instead of Jesse Cave and what Harry looks like Mm -hmm. and who Draco looks like. And I think it was really well written to allow me to think, okay, this is what they look like years later and how you see people who are recovering from scars that they've received in battle and car accidents and, you know, things like that. And they can be terrible, but these people are learning to live with what they have. I really enjoyed it. I think it was a very nice, moody, sad piece. It reminds you that in reality, in situations like war, that there are always going, even though you may win the war, there's like major casualties, whether it be like physically or emotionally. And I think that Dennis made the decision to do the physical scars and then also the emotional scars as well. I'm kind of surprised that there wasn't a self-portrait of Dennis. I'm mm-hmm. not. Dennis put himself into every picture. Yeah. True. He's not sure this was even his pictures. He feels like Colin left these pictures in the camera for him, and he just finally got them all out. Right. I wonder what other pictures that were in. What pictures were in the camera? No, no it's not like it has film already. Like he's left this roll of film that he's taking these pictures. It's just. It feels like these are Colin's pictures that he's inspired him somehow oh, yeah. to take these pictures. And um, now that he's done this series, he's not going to keep being a photographer. Right, because mm-hmm. it's basically cauterized his wounds. Right. Well, I enjoyed it. I hope the people who uh, listen to the P.N. Costier decide that they want to go read it and see what other fanfic that this author has written. We're going to try to remember to put the uh, link in the notes. <laughs> Hey, we haven't missed one yet. (laughs) I don't have any other comments for here. Anybody else? No, go read it. 
It's incredibly mm. touching. Yeah, it's very good. good. I was the author on this, and I, if I was going to have a photo for uh, Colin or Dennis, I would have taken like a photo of the camera. Yeah, I would. That was kind of my like thought the scar too. That's been left on him. Right. Yeah. The scar that's been left on the situation that now he has to pick up, and then. But uh, what I was going to say was, is I would encourage everyone to read this. I actually read this very quickly before we recorded and within like 10 minutes. So there's absolutely no reason not to go take a look at this fic. Right. It's short. It's very powerful. Right. Mm -hmm. It's very nice. Okay. Well, I hope everybody has a good week. See you next week for Peoncast and good night, everybody. Good Good night. Good night. Good night.